Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress with me for the full three hours on this Thursday. As we talk more about yesterday's National Signing Day, we will continue to talk a little bit about the class, including another edition last night, uh, pretty late last night, the uh, Twitterverse got going. Some Auburn coaches started uh, tweeting a little bit, and then another commitment was made, another signee was made uh, for Auburn's 2024 recruiting class. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Of course, today is a Thursday, so we want to talk a lot of NFL today as another NFL season or another NFL week, excuse me, gets going tonight with the Los Angeles Rams and New Orleans Saints. And we're starting to get to very important football time as we are headed into week 16. Only three more weeks here in the NFL season. And so we are looking forward to the conclusion of that. So we'll talk all about NFL Week 16 that's getting ready to go on. Of course, we want to hear from you, the caller, on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We'll have more bowl game action to get to, uh, which will be coming up tonight, tomorrow, and that sort of thing. So a whole lot of things to hit up on this Thursday edition of the program. Again, Ryan, Brant, and Brooks with you. On this Thursday, we'll start with you, Brent. Good to see you again, sir. How are you on this afternoon? I'm fantastic, man. Uh, having a really good day. Uh, excited for Christmas and uh, got some some business news earlier today that I'll be able to cover the Auburn basketball game tomorrow. Uh, so it, that's that's something I'm looking forward to. First time covering an Auburn basketball game uh, in a professional capacity. So uh, really looking forward to that. But overall, yeah, just a, a kind of. I mean, we're getting into it just kind of excited about the signing class that Auburn signed. I think you look at it top to bottom, and there are some names over here that are not being largely celebrated, but overall I think it's a very solid class. I think, uh, you know, getting into the top ten in year one is something that Hugh Freeze said he wanted to do, and he has managed to do that. And, uh, you know, I've said it before, you can lose with good talent. You sure as hell cannot win without it. And uh, you've certainly picked up a lot of talent here with this class. So uh, I think that I think that this is a big step in the right direction for Auburn football. And uh, like you said, the NFL gets started up. I think it's a big week for NFL, uh, not for the team I cheer for, but my fantasy team uh, is in the playoffs. And so we're, we're feeling pretty good about that. So uh, all in all, I think it's a pretty good Thursday and uh, looking forward to the show. And then Brooks Childress on this Thursday edition of the program as Brooks tries to battle through, uh, you know, some late to your cold type of deal like your fun things that it feels like at least one or two of us get every uh 
winter. I, I'm glad that you're still here, though, sir. How are you on this Thursday? <clears throat> uh, well, we're making it, uh, for, at least for now. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to, to clear my throat as I, I came on. It just happened. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're fighting through uh, some, some, uh, some little late season, uh, some cold. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, it happens right before Christmas. Um, yep. So it was. Uh, it, it seems like the last two years, uh, major holidays and Brooks do not agree with. Uh, last year, I don't know if folks remember, I had I missed a few days of the show right after Thanksgiving because I I got COVID over Thanksgiving. So we we moved to Christmas. So I guess next year, New Year's is going to be the 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 holiday year, to watch out sickness. for. Yeah, yeah, the the one to watch out for Brooks and his uh, battles with the the illnesses. But other than that, we're doing great. Um, you know, this is basically my Friday. I'm off for a couple days uh, going into uh, the, the holiday weekend. I got a lot of travels coming up here over the next couple weeks. So it's uh, it's exciting to be here. We've been watching some uh, not uh, some NBA G League in the office today as they're doing their winter showcase. And so that's been uh, fun to watch. Uh, check out uh, on our on our TVs here at the office. Um, but yeah. Uh, you know, once again, as we, we mentioned yesterday, big signing class for the Tigers, getting to the top ten, uh, sniffing that top five. If a, a couple, maybe you know, a couple more names go the Tigers' way here over the next uh, really couple days, slash uh, going up to the the next signing period, which used to be normal National Signing Day in February. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it's a big uh, big time for for the Tigers right now. Uh, now you turn your attention really to I, I, I guess these last couple guys that could sign over the next couple of days, but then for football you're looking at that bowl game a week from uh, Saturday. The Tigers will be up in Nashville take on Maryland, uh, and it's uh, it's going to be it, it's going to be an interesting game. We talked about it earlier this week. Talia no longer uh, going to be participating in that bowl game for uh, for for Maryland, and so it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And then some of the departures on the Auburn side of the football makes it a little interesting too. Uh, to see what what happens there, but yeah, it, it's going to be great. I know Bruce Pearl talked to the media earlier today ahead of their game on Friday against Alabama State, uh, and so Auburn basketball continues their season to roll along. And it's just a it's a it's a wonderful Thursday. Uh, I'm not feeling wonderful, but you know I hope everybody else out there. I hope I am I am carrying the brunt of the negativity for everybody else out there as we head into a uh, holiday weekend. Well, hey, look, I, you know on Tuesday. You know, I, I watch the NBA religiously, and on Inside the NBA, Charles Barkley was not feeling a hundred percent, and uh, he was not able to make it through the whole evening. They were they were c- calling him Sir Cough a lot, and <laughs> and just uh, just all kinds of things with Shaq and, and Kenny were, were were yielding on him. So I'm not going to do any of those to you. But also, well, listen, just know if you can't finish the full three hours, I understand. If you hear if you hear sneezing off in the background somewhere, <laughs> folks, that you know what's happened. Uh, me and Charles were in Neville Arena on Sunday. Yeah. Maybe it, maybe maybe we got the <laughs> we same, got the same thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe so, man. Maybe it was just going around uh, on top of all the the baskets Auburn was <laughs> was was putting in there. But uh, yeah, uh, we appreciate you being here, even uh, with a little less than one hundred percent. But. As we continue to talk about this National Signing Day period, of course, there's still going to be another noteworthy name tomorrow, uh, which we'll have to hit on at, at that time when Cohen Eccles. Auburn did get another nice late surprise. Not, a, I, I guess, I don't want to say surprise in terms of there was no chance he was going to get him or that sort of thing, but it was certainly a surprise in the timing of it because there was really no one that had any idea when exactly it was coming. If it was coming on that day or coming this week or maybe going to be waiting till later. Uh, but that was the big three-star offensive tackle favor, Edwin. 
Uh, Edwin was a guy that, again, in the rankings is not going to rank as one of the higher Auburn commitments, but there is a certain level of intrigue about him. Uh, to the tune of it was between Auburn, Alabama, and Florida as the three finalists for favor Edwin. He does choose the Tigers. Again, he's the number 631 player nationally. Again, you're going to hear that and say, eh, you know, that's just that's going to be one of the lower-rated players there. Uh, the number 39 offensive tackle. Uh, and then most of the sites have him in the 40s or 50s there for tackle, just depending on what site you're looking at. But uh, favor Edwin does commit to the Tigers. That was around 10, 10.30 last yeah. night, pretty late. Very late. So, again, surprising timing there. Uh, but Auburn is able to win another battle for a kid that, again, Alabama and Florida were interested in. Yeah, it, and, you know, timing is always weird. We may never know the story of why he committed so late. It may be nothing. It may be uh, there was actually some some major subterfuge going on. We'll, we'll probably never know. But uh, I was looking at the signing class yesterday, and I was going, all right, you got your quarterback. That's good. You don't have a running back, but you don't really think you need a running back, so you're fine without that. Linebacking core looks great. It's one of the best in the country. This wide receiver class may be, end up being the best you've ever signed. All that looks good. And I, I kept my, I kept thinking, where are all the fat guys? Where where are my big boys? Um, They're uh, in you, the you, studio. You, <laughs> God. Whoa. Whoa. I have not eaten all my holiday meals yet, sir. Uh, that's for this weekend. <laughs> yes. But, um, Talk to me again next week. But, you know, you look at it and you go, there are some pretty good-looking defensive linemen in here, but you didn't have that many offensive linemen. You had Dre Carter out of California. And by the way, anytime you can get a guy who started for three years at Matter Day High School, Modern Day High School, excuse me, uh, that's a big deal. If you don't know about high school football, Modern Day is is up there with the IMGs and the Bufords and, and these, these major – talent-rich schools. Kids move to that area to attend that school so they can get noticed and go play football at major colleges. And A, a guy that started for three years at that place is, is a pretty big deal, um, even if he's going to move to guard rather than tackle uh, at the college level. But I kept going, man, you've got, you've got one really good offensive lineman and some other and – and a Juco guy who looks like he's going to be decent, but you still don't have enough. Well, you added to that last night late with favor Edwin, a, a guy who – like you said, Ryan, is not some major target. People are not overly familiar with him, but uh, still, uh, we talk about offer sheet scouting all the time. Anytime Alabama or Georgia or LSU wants a kid like that, I'm interested in them uh, because those schools know how to scout and develop and recruit offensive linemen. Um, and and speaking of teams that are, are in on good offensive lineman Cohen Eccles, like you said, is committing is committing on Friday. He's down to LSU, Auburn, and Texas A and M. So uh, that'll be another big piece if they can manage to land him. But overall, uh, I think that my biggest concerns were answered for the most part late last night. Well, and, and look with Edwin too. You say, well, why was a kid? You know, let, let's give you a why to why was a kid that's in the six hundreds and again it, mostly in the fifties for tackles why was he being recruited by Alabama too well this kid has only played football for a couple of years uh, and he's 6'8 290 so a lot of people in Auburn are going to think about someone like Prince Taguanogo who did not play much football prior to college was a big dude of similar stature and then comes in here, ends up being a starter, and has had a cup of coffee in the NFL. He's maintained a practice squad status, even a roster status with, I believe, Kansas City. Yep. Uh, and, and so you're going to look at this as a project where, okay, he's got the measurables to end up being an SEC tackle. 
And if he's already showing you something in just a couple years of coaching, your thought is with more good coaching, he's going to end up having a really high upside. And so this is kind of an upside play as a three-star guy because usually some three-star guys are like, you know, they might have one great thing about them or they might be really productive, but they've got something athletically that's a challenge. It's an undersized linebacker or, you know, it's a it's a it's a again, a smaller defensive lineman or something that's going to need to gain more at the next level, but maintain his speed, some, something like that. And so this kid, it, it's that he's not played a lot and that he's got a lot to learn. But so there is some upside to it. And if you're going to take, you know, everyone's going to end up taking a few three stars and some three stars hit big time, by the way, it's nice to take a three star that has an interesting upside because what the measurable is going to be there. The other teams that were scouting him saw something and there is going to be a lot of ability to coach and to develop. So again, this would be the definition of a project. Somebody's not going to play early in his tenure, but there's a chance that he ends up wowing some people uh, a few years into it. So that's Favor Edwin. Again, he is out of Eagles Landing, Christian, which is in McDonough, Georgia. So Auburn continues to recruit the Alabama, Georgia uh, states very well. But again, they do win that battle against Alabama and Florida. And that also brings us to Cohen Eccles because Eccles is going to be the next one. He is a four star offensive lineman, more interior, uh, was committed to AM. Now LSU and Auburn feel like the front runners. I know A&M's involved still, but again, they've, they've got work to do. So it feels like an Auburn-LSU battle. Auburn had been leading for a long time, LSU trying to make some late noise. Auburn could go from having just one guy committed to having three and of all kind of varying statures, varying um, abilities, varying sizes, that sort of thing. So even that, which has admittedly been the weakest part of the recruiting cycle for them, could end up in a, at least a decent place if they are able to land Eccles. That's a guy that even before some of these these flips happened the last couple of weeks, I was saying that's a guy I'm targeting because he only had one offensive lineman signed. And you, you didn't lose a million offensive linemen. Like you're losing a lot of wide receivers, but there's also a reason for that. You are losing a lot of defensive backs off of this 2023 team, but the reason for that is that they were quite good, and some of them are moving on to uh, hopefully NFL opportunities. But with the offensive lineman, you, you've got multiple starters back. Uh, you had to do a lot of work in the portal to get some of those guys. And so now it is important, as we said with other positions, in my opinion, to build up the high school base. And so getting a third guy, I know that sounds weird because – you need five, and what, why didn't you try to decide five and that sort of thing? But even getting a third guy, because you could easily say one inside, one outside, one to move around, you could start to see, okay, that could be the basis of a, of a, a line two or three years down the road. So uh, that would make me feel like it, it kind of rounds off what was been the weakest group of that. You could still stand the game one more big ugly on the defensive front, <laughs> but you've gotten defensive ends, you've gotten edges, and, and so it's not, maybe not up the middle, but you've gotten everything else in the front seven. you got your middle linebacker in Riddick. you got some pass rushers uh, with Phillips and, and Waller. Uh, you get Maris Williams yesterday. He's probably going to be hand in the ground, could probably bulk him up a little bit, defensive end type of guy. And so you've done just about everything else. So uh, that that is shaping out. And, of course, then they'll – this has kind of gone well chronologically for Auburn, too, because they've now, they've now gotten the focus on those last couple needs. 
and then in February you can worry about trying to be a little bit luxurious and a little bit more than necessity. Like this feels more of a necessity to get some more linemen and you try to get your needs and finish your needs. And then February it's about trying to land that one big prize that's just like, okay, now they're just kind of splurging and that sort of thing with Ryan Williams. So I don't know, Brooks, any thoughts on, on getting Edwin and again, just kind of adding to maybe one of the weaker parts of this class here in the last few minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it goes back to what uh, we've, we've talked about on this show a little bit uh, in the past. Um, you got to get offensive line recruits. Uh, you, you look at, you know, when, when you, when you've listened to Hugh Freeze talk and he's, you know, he's talked about competing with the other big schools in the conference, i.e. Alabama and Georgia, you know what Alabama and Georgia don't do is they don't go to the portal to piece together offensive lines. Yeah. And they're, they're recruiting offensive linemen. They are winning battles for offensive linemen. They, their offensive line is built, uh, by their, high school recruiting at the most part they may fill in a hole here or two but they do not piece together offensive lines from the transfer portal and so that's important is is even though you you know it may just be three guys those are three guys that come in that's a majority of your line that's that that is over half of your offensive line that then, that then you can if you can get those <clears throat> if you can get those guys developed and into you know pretty decent linemen then you can go to the portal if you don't you know if you if you need to, you can go to the portal and piece together those last two two spots in the line. Uh, but your base is there. You've got three guys. Uh, you you would have three guys there, and it it would be uh, the the base for a, a you know a good offensive line uh, class for this uh, this signing class. So I think that's the the most important thing is yes, there's you know you look at it, uh, and you know he may not be the the favor may not be the uh, the game breaking you know offensive line the big you know oh he's you know the the best offensive lineman in this class, but he's still a high school offensive lineman, and I, that has been one of the complaints that we've heard the most from. Auburn fans over the past you know five six years really going back into the Gus Malzahn era is that they weren't recruiting offensive linemen out of the high school ranks like the like a lot of people thought they should well now you you know you, you start to go down down to the offensive line uh recruiting you're starting to lay in some guys if you can get uh the, the next guy here on Friday from uh win that battle between LSU and uh, Texas A&M uh, it would be it would be great. You could continue to build that that base there, and the more recruiting you do well in the offensive line, the more that's going to help you down the road. I said it yesterday about wide receivers. Uh, you know, you, you put together an elite class, other elite wide receivers in the, in the future look and say, hey. This is a place that I can go, and you know other guys like me are are choosing to go there. They must be doing something right. Let me go take a visit. Same thing with offensive linemen. Uh, the the more guys you get to commit to you, the more guys that you get to uh, to to land. The the more other offensive linemen down the road are going to say that's a place that I need to at least look at. Go, you get them on campus, then you start. You know, you, you get the sales pitch going, uh, and you. you set yourself up to, to get some good offensive line. The, the key, though, is, like I said, you cannot continue, if you want to be successful uh, and you want to compete, truly compete with the Alabamas and Georgias of the SEC and now the Texas and everybody, uh, the, the Oklahomas, year in and year out, you cannot be put, piecing together offensive lines from the transfer portal and hoping that they gel. You need to get the guys in. You need your base in to to build on it, get them to be, you know, to, to gel, to be, uh, cohesive uh, a cohesive unit and then when you need to go to that go to that portal and fill in some holes and, and you know tom was telling us yesterday about it and and i looked at it you look at someone like georgia who has had uh great success obviously with lines and they continue to just 
have huge players. You know, their top-rate offensive lineman is actually kind of around where DeAndre Carter uh, is for for Auburn. The Georgia's highest is Daniel Calhoun, who is the number one twenty-eight player in the country, and he's uh, the number six offensive line lineman. Again, all this is according to on three and, and kind of. Uh, aggregating everything there with amongst the four sites. DeAndre Carter's number 171, and he's number nine. So, again, he's just right behind there. Now, Carter is at 6'3 and a half, 340, so that's a big dude that's that's going to play in the interior. Tom was telling us the, the sizes of these Georgia guys, though. Calhoun is 6'6", 370. Good Lord. Which is just <laughs> you've eaten everyone's buffet at that point. Uh, they've got a kid <laughs> n- named Michael Uni or, or yeah, Unai who's on an offensive tackle. He's six seven three thirty five. Uh, you've got another kid, uh, Nair Daniels. You think who's six seven and a half three seventy one? You think about how how big you were in high school. You think how big you were in high school, walking around the the, the halls, and you see this these guys walking by you. I, w- I weighed two hundred pounds as a senior in high school. That and I was like kind of big. That's. And they got another kid. I'm, I'm not done yet. Mark, Marcus Easley, 6'5", 345. And then they've got uh, a 6'7", 335. And their last player, who is their smallest player, and he's rated as 1201 nationally. So, again, he's even way below someone like Edwin, but he's 6'5", 315. And that's their smallest guy. If these guys want to shove you in a locker, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do about it. There's nothing that the administration can do about it. There's nothing that the school security can do about it. You're going in the locker. Are you sure that they had uh, desks that were big enough? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely you know? not. No. They, he, they, this kid just got to sit at the teacher's desk, is what it sounds like. <laughs> he, he walked I'm in and said, I'm now. teaching now. <laughs> Oh man! So yeah, those are some big boys. Seventy, yeah. Night. Again, but at least for Auburn, Carter, and I guess a measly three forty. <laughs> and then a uh, favorite Edward at six eight, but two ninety. Again, they'll probably add some weight there. But again, a very human three hundred and forty yeah. pound young man. <laughs> but uh, another pickup for Auburn last night as they did land three star offensive tackle favor Edwin. We're going to head to our first break of the show. When we come back, we'll head to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call on this Thursday, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontree, Brooks Childress with you here. About to go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line in just a moment again. Auburn with the seventh-ranked recruiting class, according to On3. Still the potential to move up one or two. 
uh, spots depending on the Cohen Eccles uh, commit. As again, that's going to be Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M primarily there. And then, of course, in February, a long way to go. But uh, whatever happens with the Ryan Williams commitment there, as again, that will be what everyone will turn their attention on uh, at that time. And of course, we were talking about some of the size of these offensive linemen. It's just, again, it's just it's they keep not getting me. bigger. They keep uh, getting bigger. Yeah, uh, Cohen Eccles is just a modest two eighty five. So they're going to have to <laughs> have to feed him. The kid's a got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> that again. Well, and that's also why you get some of these defensive linemen. You look at their weights too, because you got two sixty or two seventy. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to use speed. It ain't going to be power yeah. if they've got a hundred pounds on you. That's it's so wild because I remember. You know, back in the 80s, it used to be like your average offensive lineman was maybe like 250, 260. Yeah. And then more recently, it was kind of the average, like, you want a guy who's 6'5", 300. That's kind of what you're doing. Right now, 6'5", 300 is about to be undersized. Yeah. These kids just keep getting bigger and not slowing down. They're, if anything, getting faster. That's the insane part is they move better at a at a higher height and heavier weight. It's incredible. Right, and well, and you also think about two fits for offense. So mm. if you try to go up tempo, can you be 360 pounds? Yeah. And you need a lot of pulling guards, can you be 360 pounds? Or you need to be 330. And you get into some of that, it depends on scheme and, and that sort of thing. But it's getting to the point where you you can almost do it all with everybody. Because uh, <laughs> as you said, the athleticism continues to improve mightily and that sort of thing. We're going to head to our orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the program today. First up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve will join us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, it's Thursday afternoon, guys, and uh, I've not entered the transfer portal. I'm glad to hear that you guys haven't either. So no, we're sir. all together. Yes, sir. All right. And Brent and Brooks, uh, good to have your voices on as well, and Brooks, uh um, I hope that uh, you get uh, well uh, really quickly. Uh, I hope everybody uh, is getting their flu shots. I've gotten mine. Yeah, right. I, I, I hope I get well as well, uh, mainly because I, I need to enjoy some Christmas food. Hmm. Okay, all right. Well, you know, uh, maybe it might help you with uh, losing some weight then. <laughs> all right, let's get to it, guys. Uh, and I'm going to make this comment uh, simply focused to certain callers. Mr. Luke, Mr. Anthony. Keith, Mr. Jeff, you've had your fun with uh, making uh, or having Auburn be irrelevant uh, for quite some time, unfortunately, uh, in football especially. That time is over. And my evidence for that is this. Marcus Riddick committed Georgia last November, right? Yes. To Auburn. Never wavered. Wide receiver Camp Coleman committed Texas A&M. Flipping to Auburn. Linebacker Joseph Phillips. Widely, widely considered to be on his way to Georgia. Right, Jeff? Flipped to Auburn. He never wavered. How about uh, we beat Texas for offensive lineman DeAndre Carter and also Malik Blockton? How about Mr. Mars Williams, committed to Florida in June and signed with us yesterday? Walker White turned away his home state of Arkansas. And Clemson and Alabama signed with Auburn. We're outbidding you folks. Edge rusher Jamonte Waller committed to Florida last June. 
decommitted and now signed with Auburn. And late, as you said last night, Mr. Favor Edwin, in a three-way battle, what's Alabama doing going after a supposedly low-ranked uh, three-star player, right, in Florida, too, right? You, it, you didn't get him. You didn't get him, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you see a pattern? I, I do, Steve. I, I, but I, I know what you mean, but also still Georgia had the number one class in the country and Alabama had the number two class in the country. So they still well, – well, yeah, Auburn is saying, winning more battles. time is coming. Their sure. time is coming. Ours is coming uh, sooner than they think. Sure. Auburn is definitely making great strides. Two things can be true. They can still be in great places, but Auburn can be in an improving place. And so – uh, you know they're still doing what they need to do in Athens and Tuscaloosa to maintain for sure. Uh, but yes, Auburn obviously has had a big cycle. They were getting flips that they were not getting in the last few years. So again, that that is no small thing, uh, and, and that is on the on the road to progress and and headed back in the right direction. But obviously, the developmental process will come next, and Auburn will have to develop it, and they're going to have to start winning, and then that will again become more recruits. It'll all start to to build off of that, but. Uh, yeah, good start for sure, but obviously a long, long way to go. Right, good start. And uh, I'm just seeing, you know, hey, I was extremely, uh, you know, not my first choice with Coach Freeze, right? I'm, I'm slowly, you know, um, I'm appreciating his candor and what he's focusing on. And he's staying out of trouble so far. So those are all good things for, for my view. And uh, I'm also noticing that, you know, we're getting people that, Malzahn didn't even apparently uh, try to go after from Phoenix City. Uh, when I saw this piece of information from Jason Call this morning, I said, wow, I just didn't have a clue that it was this bad. But the last Auburn signing that we have in Phoenix City was John Broussard. That was in 2016-2017. Now, hold on to your seats, because I had a hold of, I thought my channel on this one. There have only been, how many lettermen in Auburn history from Phoenix City, guys? You want to take a guess? Oh, I... Four? I don't know. Five? I don't know. Well, it's not being that bad, but it's getting close. Thirteen. Okay. In the entire Auburn history of football program, only 13 lettermen have come from Phoenix City, which to me is incredulous because they're only, what, 35, 40 minutes away from Auburn? Yeah. How is that explainable, guys? A plausible station. How is it, has it been that difficult or that uh, just uh, abysmal uh, that we – have not only gotten just the 13 people uh, who lettered uh, from Phoenix City. Yeah, I, I will look, I, I don't know the entire history, honestly, of, of how good Central Phoenix City has been for X amount of time. Uh, so, one, I would question how many lettermen there has been. I'm sure there's been a lot, but just I would want to know the number of lettermen at the other schools and that sort of thing. Uh, as far as the last ten, okay. as far as He's the. interrupting. Uh, here's a letterman. Uh, comes from Jason Caldwell uh, right. from Phoenix City. Bruce Hart, Jonathan Wallace. No, I meant from Ed other schools. Teams. Yeah, but oh, okay. Yeah, uh, but James Joseph for Auburn, Mark Clemens, Rodney Bellamy, and Claude Matthews. Okay, yeah, but that was a long time ago. Again, I'm only aware of the last, obviously, however many uh, classes and players and stuff that that came out of Phoenix City. I know the most notable ones typically had gone to Clemson. 
That's someone like Justin Ross. Who that, was, that was what I was thinking. The first the first big name that didn't go to Auburn that, from Phoenix City, I'm sure he's not the first, but the, right. the one that comes to mind is Justin Ross, which was not that long right. ago. And I remember what EJ Williams or something like that, another yeah. wide receiver that, that went to Clemson but did not do as much. And there was a the kid who so, committed to Harson but then flipped to Penn State, whose name I can't remember. So, I mean, yeah, obviously they have not done a great job with it in recent years. I can't speak to 20, 30 years ago what – what the recruiting landscape looked like back then. Uh, but also you've got to get what's available, and Phoenix City has clearly had a few, but it's not like I, – I, I wouldn't say it. it is just a constant five-star factory. I think, again, they have produced several really good ones, uh, but there's only a handful or so coming to mind in the last seven or eight, nine years. And so now they have gotten one of them and probably got the highest rated one of them. I mean, Cam Coleman's like the number four player in the country. So I think even that would probably surpass Justin Ross. So, yeah, they clearly missed. And that was a problem of Malzahn. I think the two biggest problems people had with Malzahn's recruiting was offensive line and then just locality. Uh, is that he seemed to recruit the state of Georgia better than the state of Alabama. Uh, but he got... Uh, incredibly players out of Georgia too so I mean the, it worked both ways but I again I, I understand you always want to keep those close to home there will be some that slip through the cracks obviously the Reuben Foster one is famous at Auburn High and people remember those the most but uh, again I, I don't think that Auburn should say well because they didn't get players from Central Phoenix City they failed as a program I, I don't think that it's as simple as that No, I, I agree with you I'll just point out that a school that has produced uh, a fair amount sure. of uh, reasonably, you know, uh, highly, uh, like I guess, recruit, uh, uh, recruits. Uh, only 35 for this way, and we didn't get too many of those. But anyway, I just want to bring out something that just shocked me. The only entire program history, 13, has ever come uh, to Auburn from uh, Phoenix City. All right. And, of course, for, for quite some time, and I never could understand it, maybe you guys educate me, Auburn High School, has been a mill, uh, not for Auburn, but for the school other side of the state. Am I wrong on that? Again, I, uh, I, I don't have. I'm not some historian of, of high school recruiting. Uh, I know that what was it, OC Urinora and Demarcus Ware going off to Troy. I don't, Ware went to Auburn High. Where did your? I don't know where OC went. I think Urinora did too. Okay, I so I know I know Ware for a fact. You know that's one went to Troy again. I'm not going to pretend like I knew the recruiting process in what 2005 or whatever for Demarcus Ware. Um, if he went to Troy, then that means a, a lot of other big schools missed him too. Uh, and that's something we talked about with Quinshawn Junkins yesterday. Is like you can say Auburn missed on him, and that's great. But okay, what, Alabama wasn't here. It's still same state. Georgia yeah. wasn't here. I mean, it's still nearby. You know, so uh, I, I again I understand people get been out of shape about some of those but again with Auburn High yes I know that there's a, a couple of notable ones the last several years with linebackers and that sort of thing but uh, again beyond the last eight or nine years I'm not going to be able to give you some detailed rundown of it. Okay uh, staying with Auburn High uh, I'm hoping this is you know, pretty credible but uh, I've been reading a lot about this place kicker who apparently is probably one of the best uh, in the country, uh, Towns Magoo. Towns Magoo, uh, yep. yep. He's number one yeah. high school kicker in the country at Auburn High School. I could not believe it. I read these stats that he has not missed any field goal kicks uh, that are 50 yards and, uh, and, and, and lower. 
Uh, anyway, uh, apparently it's between us and Ole Miss, and Christian Clemente about an hour ago said that uh, it's looking good for us to possibly get Townsley Goo because apparently we've been, from what I've been reading, always been just making him a walk-on, a preferred walk-on. And all this has been dangling in front of him a full scholarship. So have you guys uh, heard anything? Because it looks like he may be uh, leaning and uh, want to commit to Auburn. Yeah, I actually know a buddy that, that knows the situation pretty well. And I can tell you that Ole Miss has been after him for a long time. Uh, and, and that scholarship offer is a big deal there. I do believe if all things become equal in terms of that scholarship offer that it would be Auburn for him. But obviously that's a little bit on the Tigers to do that. And then also the other consideration is, and, I, and I'm going to have to make it uh, a little bit more familiar uh, with Caden with Costa, Ole Miss's kicker from this year. Some of it, too, is about opportunity. Uh, with, with the ability to kick soon. Obviously, Auburn is in a really good place with Alex McPherson, and he was just a sophomore this year, so he's going to have two more years of kicking for Auburn unless he turns pro. And I, I think Ole Miss's kicker was a junior this year, so he probably has one more, one less year at Ole Miss that he would sit there. So uh, that can be a consideration too. But I, I do think Auburn has a chance, but they will kind of have to even out the offer there. Okay, all right. Uh, real quickly, guys, uh, how about this prospect, five-star guy? Um, you probably know of him. Uh, he was six-eight state title uh, as a freshman, and uh, he also was six-eight player of the year. Um, he's looking at Auburn real strongly, and I'm talking about uh, Mr. Uh, Caleb Holt. You guys um, have any inside sources about how he may be? Uh, leaning or who else is trying to recruit him? Uh, n- not particularly, no. Uh, again, I, 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 I've not even thought too much about the the basketball side of things. I know that he is a a, a big time recruit. He did just visit Auburn. Uh, I know that that Auburn is very much in the running for him with him uh, being an in state product. That's going to be one of the higher in state products for basketball. Uh, maybe ever. Uh, there, there's not many top five, ten players. There, there's been some great ones over the year, like like Cousins out of where was he? Lafleur, I think. Marcus Cousins was. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously there was an Eric Bledsoe out of Parker and Birmingham and and, and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, no, he's a big time, and, and that that would be a huge get for the Tigers. But I do not know where it, it currently stands. All right, I'm moving along real quickly, guys. I know what time is short. Uh, here's another one from Bleacher Report. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are charged by NCAA for withholding info in a 2020 probe. Did you uh, happen to come across that one? Yeah, th- this was I, – I was kind of surprised. I-, I thought we were already at, to this point in the process. Uh, this is what we've been referring to all year long in terms of the 2020 violations, uh, where, where they withheld information from recruits to the NCAA, and, and that's what became a level one violation. That's – that's what Harbaugh was originally getting suspended for at the beginning of the year was this. It was self-imposed. Uh, and then and then there was kind of a disagreement with him in the NCAA. So uh, th- this is not new, I guess. I, I mean, again, this is all stuff that we, we've all known about all year long, really. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on then quickly. How about this one about Florida State? Uh, this comes from Twitter. Uh, Florida State, uh, Brendan Sono, anyway – FSU is having a board trustees meeting regarding litigation and 
here's your exit strategy from the ACC. Guys, well, have you got any more details about that? Well, we'll have to see it tomorrow uh, because, I mean, the, the context I can provide is obviously they did this a few months ago when everybody was, was talking about jumping conferences, and there was no way for them to go. I mean, we spent uh, a lot of time talking about this whole paradigm shift in college sports and with these conferences and realignment and stuff, and it's still – such a fascinating conversation, and I'm sure we'll be having it well into the summer next year, too. Uh, but, again, the same factors are in play here. Florida State clearly does not want to be in the Atlantic Coast Conference or the All-Coast Conference if they end up changing their name. They don't want to be in that conference. They want to be in the Big Ten or the SEC. The Big Ten and the SEC, to date, have not been overly interested in adding Florida State. And so I would assume... I think the next logical step is Florida State's going to come together and see how bad they want to beg and see what concessions they might give to the new league because they just want to be in the new league so damn bad. It's it's something – I'm not saying it's necessarily the same, but something akin to how bad SMU wanted to get in the power league. SMU took some amazing financial risk and some financial concessions to join the ACC because they just wanted that so bad. And so if they, they're on their end – are going to have to make it even more lucrative for the SEC or the Big Ten to add it. Because, again, the SEC and Big Ten have full leagues now. These leagues have never been bigger. They've added what they wanted to over time. They are in a lot of markets. The Pac-12 is – or, excuse me, the Big Ten is now in uh, the footprint of what the Pac-12 used to be on top of all their northern markets. The SEC has expanded further west with all the Big 12 teams they've had add in the last 12 years. And, and, and so – you obviously at this point, if you're the SEC and Big Ten, you know if you keep going, you're going to end up with just a couple super conferences, and you're not even gonna you're you're going to again change the complete paradigm of the sport because I don't feel that it is completely changed in the conference way with the death of the Pac-12. I think it is different, but I don't think that it's a world's difference. But if you get down to like two super conferences, then yeah, that's not the same thing anymore. And so the SEC and Big Ten have been aware of that. That's why I think they've there's they've shown hesitancy. So it's up to Florida State's board and litigation to figure out their exit fees from the ACC and how they can make themselves look more appealing to take on to the SEC or the Big Ten. Well, the drama continues. It's like a soap opera. Yes, sir. Right, and real quickly, guys, um, Mr. Ryan LaVoy. Yes, sir. What is all this brouhaha about your team, the Buccaneers, and uh, something about the NFL is going to be investigating about uh, Devin White being first put on suspension and then uh, change his, uh, his availability, it's being reviewed. What's all this about? So Devin White has been hurt the last couple of weeks. Um a foot injury of some kind. It was a groin earlier this year, then it became a foot. And uh, he had been practicing this past week. And then allegedly, uh, according to the story that the Bucks and Devin White are going with publicly, is that he became too injured again by Friday to decide to play on Sunday. The Buccaneers did not label him as being out due to injury on Sunday. They, did, they didn't make a designation, and you're supposed to, with league requirements, uh, make make the every injury designation abundantly clear. And really what I feel and what Bucks beat writers are feeling, what really happened is that Devin White was told by Todd Bowles that he might not start 
that they might give the opportunity to actually Auburn line, former Auburn linebacker K.J. Britt and that White would play some but not start. White did not like that and then said, no, I'm not healthy enough to play. I don't want to play. That, that They are trying to publicly cover his butt up for potentially losing his starting job. And so they might, uh, in the process, have broken NFL protocol with the injury report because of their claiming that White just said he was too injured to play. But in reality, many are skeptical on that within the box and feel that maybe he just told him he just didn't want to play. So that they're they're going to end up probably losing like a 7th round pick or something or get or getting fined uh for that uh because it's a breach of NFL protocol to not reveal all injuries. But in all honesty, the Bucks were probably being truthful in that he was not actually injured too injured to play. Okay, thanks for education cuz I already know what the repercussions may or may not be. All right, this is it guys, finally. And then uh, I'll get out of your hair. On this date, if this event had not occurred, I don't know if uh, this uh, collegiate and professional sport maybe might have come to be what it is now. On December 21st, 1891, you guys have any clue what happened in a, a major sport that we love to watch, especially during the fall? Baseball? And winter. Nope, football. Mm, you said basketball. fall and winter. You added winter yeah. and football. Basketball, basketball. Basketball. Or no, okay. All right, basketball. Mr. James Nesmith, 30 years old at the time, introduced the first game of basketball. Okay. Now, that's, a, that's a memorable day. Yeah, he did it not because he had nothing to do, but he was trying to keep some kids. He was at the Young Men's Christian Association in Springfield, Massachusetts. I'm getting this from History Channel. And uh, the students that he had uh, were being un- unruly, to say the least. He was trying to keep in line. So he devised. What? Two peach baskets attached to a balcony that's 10 feet above the floor and had two teams of nine players each compete against each other. And this one I love. Every time they made a basket, there was a what? You had to jump for the ball again. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So anyway, and of course you do or do not know. I did not know that he became the first baseball coach for Kansas. Yeah. So there you have it. If you didn't know, you do now. I'm glad uh, Mr. Naismith did, and I did not know he's a Canadian. Did you guys know that? Oh yeah, no, I I didn't. Yeah. So there you have it. Hey guys, thank you for making uh, my day as always when uh, you let me on the show, and uh, I'll look forward to hearing uh, the, of the callers' comments, and we'll do this again uh, hopefully uh, tomorrow and Friday. And uh, Mr. Brooks Childress, hopefully you'll feel better by then. I hope so too. All right, guys. Have a safe afternoon, War Eagle, always. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is retired War Dam Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are down to our last minute or so of this first hour of the program. Again, coming up a little bit later, a lot on the National Football League as a Week 16 gets going tonight with the New Orleans Saints and Los Angeles Rams. want to take this moment also to remind you of our show schedule the next couple of weeks. Uh, again, we will not have a live show next Monday for Christmas. And then on Tuesday, we will have a best of show. Uh, we finished putting that together a little bit earlier today. Some good stuff in there, some interviews, uh, some wacky segments, some uh, good football conversation from the summer. 
Uh, so a lot of different stuff there in that best of show. So that's going to be aired next Tuesday. We will be back live next Wednesday with full shows Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then again, we'll have next the, the following Monday off for New Year. So no shows the next two Mondays and then a best of show next Tuesday, December 26th. All other shows will be full three-hour live shows for the rest of 2023. We are out of time for hour number one on this Thursday edition of the program. Again, coming up, more football conversation, including a look into the NFL in just a little bit, a bit among some other things. Hour number one in the books. We continue right after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two, starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Brooks Childress here with you on this Thursday edition of the program. Coming up in just a little bit, we will get into some NFL chatter for Week 16. But before we do that, I need to hit on a couple of college football news items uh, to start this hour. Progressively more important. We'll, we'll shell Florida State for a few moments, but one of them is Florida State. We actually uh, had some updates on uh, the Seminoles from the Action Network and, and Brett McMurphy coming up. But uh, – I'm going to go ahead and, and give you this first one, and this is going to be of from Ross Dellinger, who, of, get, of course, does a really good job covering the sport, was at Sports Illustrated, now at Yahoo. He continues to be one of the biggest newsbreakers in the sport and continues to be a, a really good media personality to follow if you are looking for some of the, the various ways to follow the progression of the sport, but... On Saturday, history will be made, and this is in the Las Vegas Bowl, and it will feature tablets and helmet comms as one of the approximately 14 bowl games set to use technology in an experiment likely to turn permanent. Of course, this is what the NFL does. I mean, the NFL has done this uh, for a long time, 
But college football is going to experiment with it. Again, in this Las Vegas Bowl first, but in some other bowl games too, with the helmet comm technology and, again, with the sideline tablets. So when you hear that, guys, do you think what? I think that uh, issues like the Michigan issue this year will no longer be uh, be a problem. Um, I, I think it's a good move for the sport when you when you look at that because, you know, it, it's it you know it, it takes a lot of uh, of time when you look at um, when when you look at players. You know, you you go out there and you you know when you get to college, you watch film. You get out there, you practice, you learn the playbook. Well, learning the playbook is also you are everybody is looking for you're learning all these signs and it's just it's it's out it's hours and hours of GAs and assistant coaches putting together signs and and uh, call play call signals and boards with you know Charles Barkley's face on it and the <laughs> the Georgia Bulldogs logo on it for you know whatever to to try and try you know communicate to everybody on the field that is on your team what you're running and every you know it it feels like you talk to some college coaches every position has a different person signaling stuff in maybe the offensive lineman's got one guy signaling in and another, they're doing the same signal for, uh, or it's the same play, but another guy's signaling some, a different signal to the wide receivers, so that and everybody gets on the same page. Well, easy way to get on the same page is to have the able, you're able to talk to the quarterback, and the quarterback relays the play call to the offensive line, to the wide receivers, to everybody, and say, "This is what we're running." Now. When you look at the downside, though, is when you're looking at college football. What is the big, big thing with college football? Hurry up, no huddle, spread offense. You're trying to go as quick as you can. Well, when the the quarterback is you know getting there, and he's got to walk across the field, give everybody the signal as you're walking around. Get the NFL. It, it it's you know everybody kind of huddles up. Then you get the play call. You break the huddle. So it could send football back to or college football back to where you're kind of getting into a little little bit of a huddle there. But is that a bad thing? I don't think so. I, and, you know, it, it's it, it's such a – it cuts down on any sort of, as I mentioned, any sort of sign-stealing stuff that you're you're worried about. Um, you're, you're worried about so-and-so, Connor Stallion, sitting in the stands watching <laughs> you, uh, watching your signals and everything. When you could Stallion. When you could literally just do what you do normally to call a play. You cover your mouth. The coach covers his mouth with the play sheet, calls the play into the headset – and then instead of just you know fifteen guys signaling from the sidelines, it is boom, quarterback's got it, and then he relays the message to everybody else. I think it's great. I think it's I, I think it's an improvement. Uh, the NFL, you know, like I said, the NFL does it. All, the the college football's already went to a little bit of a, a you know adopted more NFL stuff. You you saw this year they they modified the clock rules where you're not stopping the 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 clock uh, at all times like they were in in the past. Uh, I, I don't, you know, you, you talk to people. Some I think there were some people that were upset about it. You look at the overall product of football. I don't think the product got worse because they changed the clock rules this year. I don't think anybody really noticed after the first couple of games. You were just started to watch football again. So I, I think this is this is one of those things where it it can help minimize some, you know, some of the the hours there that can, you know, you, you can then. Maybe you know the, instead of the quarterback learning what all what every single hand signal is coming from the sideline, you can con- continue to watch film, get better as a quarterback, 
uh, and get better as you know all players get better as a football player by watching film, learning the playbook, and and being more technically sound. Yeah, you know, Brooks, to your point about well, getting rid of the hurry up, can you signal it in as much? I still I don't think that has to go anywhere. You know, I, I still think that if you want to just have the play caller signals it into the assistant coaches and the assistants make those signals and you still go quickly, I still think that's available. That, that is still on the table. But like to the other point of this, this can cut down on sign stealing, this can cut down on, you know, we see all of these, the, the people whose job it is to stand behind the, the signalers and hold up the black tarps and, you know, there's all this subterfuge and this ridiculousness. But it, it has a chance to get rid of a large portion of that. And uh, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, Brooks, you and I talk about it all the time. There are a lot of things that make college football unique and weird, and these are the things that make us love the sport. Um, but I still think that getting rid of some of that uh, makes it a little bit less of a sideshow. And and I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that the sideshow is a bad thing, but I am saying that you don't have to focus on it as much. I, I still think that the, <laughs> the rotation of play caller – to signalers, to quarterback, to offense, there's a lot less go-between if you remove one of those interferences. It's quarter, play caller, quarterback, team. You know, it, that's, that's how football operated for so long. That's how the NFL operates today. Um, and, and, you know, it, college football wants to get these guys ready for the NFL. That, that is a big part of, what, of college football's draw for NFL fans is saying, hey, come watch the, the future stars of the league, right? Um, it, we love college football for what it is, but not everybody does. So if you can kind of close that gap between the two levels and make it more like the NFL game, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I'm, in, I'm in favor of this. Um, I think that it's – I'm in favor of technologies making communication easier. I think it's easier to execute. Um, I think that you should do it on both sides of the ball and that it, it – it helps both sides. And I think you can do it with the similar rule that the NFL has in, what is it, when the play clock hits 15, the mic just cuts out and you can't talk to the quarterback anymore. It's just on him. It, there's a certain there's a certain time Protocol. limit. Yeah, yeah there, there's a certain limit on, on, on when, you can, when you can and when you cannot talk to a player. And I, I think that if college football does something similar, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I'll, I'll get to my thoughts on this later if we have time, uh, but we do need to get to a phone call and also need to give you – uh, some breaking news here real quick that Auburn has, in fact, added to their recruiting class again. Uh, Steve had asked about this player, uh, and then go figure, just minutes later, uh, Towns Magoo, the kicker out of Auburn High School, has committed to Auburn. So apparently Auburn did what they needed to do there uh, to sway Magoo from Ole Miss. The Under Armour All-American ranked as the number three kicker nationally did not miss a kick inside of 56 yards as a high schooler in his senior year. So uh, had an incredible ability there at Auburn High, and he is committing to Auburn. And I'll tell you what, from, from doing the high school coaches show this year, we got to talk to the Auburn High coaches. He didn't miss a lot from outside of 50 either. Like right. he can, he's, got a, he's got a leg on the kids. So, it, folks, next year, high school football season, if you can get out to an Auburn High game, get out to an Auburn High game and watch this kid kick. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a show. The dude's incredible. Um, I, I, I got the chance to call Smith Station versus Auburn this year, and uh, I, I saw him – he did miss the field goal, but he attempted one from 62 yards, and it, it was on target and maybe two or three yards short. He's he's got a freaking cannon on him. He's not the biggest not the biggest dude, but 
uh, the number one ranked high school kicker in the country for a reason. And uh, it's interesting. Auburn now suddenly just has a, a, an embarrassment of riches at the kicker position um, between him and uh, Evan McPherson. So uh, th- those two going back and forth, they're handling whatever they want to handle. Maybe Magoo just kind of waits in the wings, waits his turn for McPherson because McPherson certainly is not going anywhere. The dude did not miss a field goal this year. Um so, I, yeah, I think the kicker position in a really good spot for Auburn. Again, Magoo was a senior this year. So I'm, he, I'm sorry. Yeah, so that was he, my bad. He will be going to Auburn. Still, still go watch Auburn High School. Yeah, They've got yeah, some really sure. good players. Uh, so uh, he will have to wait a little bit behind Alex McPherson. But, again, he is a high-profile kicker that Auburn – Did I did I call him Evan again? Uh, you might. I don't know. I think I've, I did. I, I constantly get him confused. The it, McPherson that's at Auburn right now. Which is Alex. So okay. uh, it is all good. It is all good. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one eight nine tiger 9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today. We need to go back there for... Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us now. Jeff, how are you today? Man, doing great, guys. Ready for Christmas to get here. Uh, matter of fact, this can be my last day working before until after the holiday, so I'm look, really Excellent. looking forward to But I had to stop what I was doing. After I picked myself up off the floor, I was knocked over, blown away, as you can say. I mean, I guess we were put on notice before y'all got a kicker by Steve. So now that we got a kicker, man, if you all could run down to Tumor's Corner, because I know Steve's probably down there throwing toilet paper up in the trees, high-fiving everybody for this new kicker that you got. Just when does this notice take effect? I mean, is it from right now? Can we ask Steve? Can we get a clarification? So does this mean it's uh, an 11-win season next year? I mean. Yeah, I don't know. What do we do? Yeah. I mean, I, it, from 6 and 6. I mean. I tried it, to walk him back off of it a little bit. I think I tried to walk him back to in just the improvement and getting on the right track rather than, like, it's just over or something like that, but yeah, it. Man, yeah, you you can't walk Steve back. He's all in. I'm telling you, he is. He is. Hey, also, man, this Highsmith guy. Maybe Steve is watching the History Channel and not on the computer. Maybe he's seeing reruns. Because I swear, this Highsmith guy has invented this game four times. This Na- year. Naismith, yeah, yeah, yeah. Naismith, excuse yeah. me, not Highsmith. Naismith. I mean. And they still had the baskets, right? The yeah. peach baskets and yes. still had the trouble. Okay, so it is the same guy. Yes, so it is. James Smith. yeah. AD's on a rerun. I don't know. But, hey, um, yeah, Georgia, we're, we're kind of scared of Auburn. Uh, you know, got the number one class. It's number breaking. You all were saying, like, this. I looked back last night. Uh, this used to be something fun. I used to love Matter of fact, I would have been the first one on the radio call-in show uh, any other signing day. But, man, with the transfer portal and NIL and stuff, it doesn't matter who you sign. We've lost five stars that never played at Auburn. Or, excuse me, at Georgia. They may play at Auburn. But, we I mean, A.J. Harris, he's from Phoenix City. He can't – I know him personally. He, he went to Georgia, right? Five-star yes. recruit. Never played. He's gone, right? So it doesn't matter what you sign today. It doesn't matter who says they're going to commit to you today. You know, a kicker you can probably feel pretty safe with. I mean, but uh, well, that's why yeah, we're we're going to matter. tumors, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everybody's down there. Heck yeah, they got it rolled. And then uh, uh, 
but they could just leave the they probably have to move that toilet paper for uh what's his name? Who was that safety we got? KJ KJ Bolden, somebody. yeah. Yeah, they they had to take it down, I think. Maybe they can just reuse it. I don't know how it works <laughs> up there too far. But then uh yeah, maybe he's putting old miss and Tennessee and Missouri. Maybe maybe he didn't mean to call me and Anthony and and Keith and Luke out. It may have been some other fans. But, hey, I saw you were talking about the size of these linemen, and that is crazy. Like yeah. you say, 6'6", 320. You know, you got that's where you start. You go from there. But, and I'm going to go back and look at it, but I swear that Georgia signed a defensive lineman who was 6'6", 320. Is that possible? Are those defensive back, defensive linemen that big, too? Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, it can yeah. be. Uh, I mean, I mean I, you've seen some of them go to the league out of Georgia, like Jordan Davis. I mean, that that kid was. I, uh, I think back to to Derek Brown, that guy, just a just an Auburn connection, playing defensive tackle. He's six five. I think he was three thirty when he got to Auburn. I mean, he's, yeah. these kids are huge. That is crazy, and like you say, to have speed on top of that, that is man. Could you imagine somebody coming at you six six three forty? I mean, what do you do? <laughs> I've had cars. I, I go to the you know, I go to the ground and curl up into a ball. You pr- take protect, protect vital organs. Yeah, the, Georgia does have a, a six five three fifteen defensive lineman named Jordan Thomas coming in the class. Yeah, that was that's crazy. But like you say, how does like Shivers and and a uh, hundred and eighty pound back? <laughs> like you say, how, why would you ever think about running up the middle? I mean, there's no way. I don't know how a two hundred pound guy would do. But um, man, it's just one last thing. This, it kills me to see uh, Harbaugh on any website, any paper, anything. It just bugs me to no end because of, like you say, you don't know what scandal or what violations you read. It says Michigan gets the notice violation. And you go, well, which one? Or is it the same one? Or could it be a new one? But I, But now it sounds... Now they're talking extension. That I mean, I've heard, I've seen that. Of course, everything you read on the internet's true, right? But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. I, I I go. I seriously believe that they've got to say this enough, you know, and and do something about it. And if for some chance that they do win this championship or something, I just don't think it's right, you know. That put Oregon in it, you know. Put. Or, 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 no, excuse me, put uh, Florida State for sure. I just, uh, if they can say it was his quarterback that kept them out of out of uh, contention for a championship, they should have said, well, it's your coach keeping you out of contention for a championship. Yeah. And, and I think more people would agree with that. I mean, it, it's crazy. But, hey, I just had to put my two cents in worth. And uh, I know – you all said you're going to be off the next two Mondays. That's great for y'all. I don't know what Steve's going to do. Give him my number. Tell him to give me a call. <laughs> um, I'll be glad. I'll be glad to talk to him. But hey, you all do have a great Christmas. And uh, uh, when is y'all's bowl game? Uh, December the thirtieth. So coming up, uh, what uh, next? Not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Okay. And now, am I correct that there are no bowl games on? New Year's Eve college bowl game. Yes, that is correct. It's I, I, it's more to do with it being on a Sunday and not competing with the NFL. 
So that's what it was, the yes. NFL. God, I sure do like having them uh, New Year's uh, college bowl games or New Year's Eve games. So sure. right into New Year's Eve. That, that That's what I thought I was going to get with the Florida State-Georgia game. So, but, okay, you all have a great uh, great holiday and have a great rest of the show, and we'll talk to you all later on. Sounds good, Jeff. Merry Christmas, and we appreciate the phone call. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. As uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff there from Jeff, and yeah, that's fair about Harbaugh. That's, which one? That one? The new one? The old one? You know, the thing about Harbaugh is, I think with a lot of it, I don't think he's doing anything necessarily wrong. I just don't think he's being very careful in how and, he's and truthful. Yeah, 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 and 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 certainly is like. This is stupid. I'm not going to cooperate. Even though if he cooperated, he wouldn't get anything more than a slap on the wrist. This uh, outside of the whole sign stealing thing, which obviously that's a much bigger deal. But there's a lot of recruiting violations that he has against him that I'm like, that's he, wait, he got in trouble for buying burgers for recruits at some point, and that's there's a lot of his stuff is right. just along those lines. He's just a guy that makes active uh, things actively worse. Yeah, and, that's and true. Then, <laughs> that is true. And and what I talked about at the time with the recruiting stuff, it's like. Those were, I think, either level two or level three violations. They, they were, in other words, they were nothing burgers, nothing big deal. Uh, speaking of burgers, yeah, <laughs> yeah nothing burgers. Made that, me laugh. Like nothing of consequence was going to happen. But then he lied about it, and yeah. that's a level one violation. Right. And then it makes you say, well, why'd you lie about it? What yeah. are you covering up? Is there something bigger there? And that's when you just open the entire can of worms. And so that was his biggest sin there. And then obviously with all the stallion stuff, it's like I kind of don't believe you that you didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So yeah. that's that, like I said, that's that's a very different thing again, from all the other stuff. So yeah. anyway, it, that that's the stuff with him for sure. But uh, I, I think that uh, again, it, it it obviously the playoff has a, an array of storylines that do have a little more controversy than your normal year. Obviously, that was with the initial selection. It's with some people just flat out not tolerating michigan right now uh so anyway it it, it uh it's it's going to be interesting though for sure it is something we're going to spend a lot of time on next week for sure because again that'll happen on january 1st and there won't be a show that day and so we'll be getting to it the wednesday thursday friday of next week that'll definitely be a big topic did want to circle back real quickly before we take our next break again that uh the the new rule that they're testing basically I shouldn't say rule because they've got to actually put some language with it, but the new the new object, the new thing they're testing, which is the the communication in the helmet, something we've seen in the NFL. They're testing that in the Las Vegas Bowl and other bowls uh, coming up uh, in, in the next few weeks. And so want to see how that goes. They will have to have some mandates on, like, how late can you do it. Yeah. Uh, you guys raise what will it mean for no huddle offenses? I think I think you could have a difference of opinions there. I think you could say it might take longer. I think you could also say if you if you get together before the drive, it could take less time even because you give the the group of guys f- only five or six plays that you're going to stick to, and you just go five, you just go three, yep. just yell it in the helmet, and then you put up some hands, and there you go, everyone knows. Uh, so so it's possible it could work both ways. Uh, that'd be interesting. Uh, but I think that if you have technology uh, and you test technology, and in this form it's been tested because of the NFL, then I think you use it. Now, I'm not saying that you any old technology you get. Like, I don't want robots doing all the jobs in 20 years. <laughs> like, that's that's not what I'm saying. AI should not be calling plays. Right. Uh, 
AI actually told me what to say on the show today, by the way. <laughs> AI has given me all my opinions. Welcome to Sports Call Auburn. <laughs> yeah, or, or a robot. Yeah, or a robot. <laughs> Uh, so you said you didn't want robots doing all the work, so I was just I was playing into that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sure. I'm gonna ask Chat GPT to make a to like to like write out an episode of Sports Call, and <laughs> oh, we're gonna no. come in here and just read it, just with no warning. <laughs> Brant looks upset at phone call. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see me. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> all right. well, it would be inside baseball. It, it would be. It would be. Brant responds to to question uh, uh, audibly annoyed. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Br- Brooks, must <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brooks coughs in the. Is corner. it that obvious? I try not to make it that obvious. Bro- Brooks coughs in the corner. Brooks irritated with Ryan that he got an eight-second TV guide. <laughs> After taking several minutes to prepare it, he got eight seconds to say it. Uh, Tonight's TV guide, Ghostbusters. Which one? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the script. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I do think the communication is good. Is going to be a good thing. I do think it's something they should have. The tablet's fine with it. Uh, but uh, but that is a change that I do believe will happen pretty soon. We're going to go ahead and take our first break of our number two. We will have one more college football topic to get to, and we want to circle back to Florida State because there is some new reporting on what's going to happen tomorrow. So we will discuss that, and then after that we will get uh, into some NFL. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Again, if you missed it in the previous segment, there is a new commit, Towns Magoo, the Auburn high kicker. Um, I believe it's being reported. I, I need to double down and check this. I believe it is still a preferred walk-on offer i don't know brand if you've seen that for sure yet or not but i, I am not sure uh but it does appear 
Uh, either way, Town Magoo has cho- chosen Auburn. That is official. Trying to figure out for sure if it was a preferred walk-on or an, an offer. I think it's a preferred walk-on uh, offer. And so he's going to join Auburn. He's the Auburn high kicker that was drilling them all season long. Uh, top kicker in the country by some. And then, again, uh, not even necessarily a need. I mean, I guess you got to keep getting them on the roster for the future. But uh, McPherson should have two more years here. Now he could, if he's awesome again next year, uh, move on the NFL. There's I, Kicker draft stock, I'm just going to be forthcoming. Kicker draft stock is not something that I pay a lot of attention to. <laughs> so no idea what the usual thought process is on talented junior college kickers. But, uh, again, Alex McPherson does have two more years, so we'll see uh, if he'll use those. But certainly Auburn in a great place now and for the future with the kicking. The other college football story we wanted to get to uh, was Florida State. So Steve was hitting on some things that were just moments away <laughs> from crystallizing and becoming uh, bigger things here today. But Breck McMurphy, again, about a half hour ago, has more reporting on what's to come of Florida State's Board of Trustees meeting tomorrow. And so we'll have to speak with still some more uh, or, or less concrete. So we'll have to speak with just some more assumptions and, and based off of Brett's reporting here. But he's reporting that Florida State is expected to begin the process Friday of pursuing an exit from the ACC. And that, quote, it will have an Oppenheimer-like ripple effect. And that that source also said the earliest FSU can leave the ACC is June the 30th, 2025. There has to be a one-year heads-up in the ACC. And so they're going to have to participate in the ACC in 2024. Schedules have already been made, that sort of thing. They'll have to play in the the league in 24. But in 25, uh, they can join another league if they start this process now. So uh, the reporting also goes on to say that they're going to look at all three options, the, the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12. Because, again, that that desire has not been inherent from the SEC and the Big Ten. Here's what Florida State's banking on. They're saying, you know what? We're coming somewhere either way. Are you going to let your rival conference take us? you going to let the rival conference get stronger? You sure about that? You might not have wanted us then, but you don't want us playing against you in the future. So that might force the hand of one of these two leagues. And again, it's important to say it this way and to talk about it this way because that's what's going on. And so, and sometimes you think, oh, well, a certain conference ruined the sport or ruined the Pac-12 or whatever. Everyone was to blame in that. I don't like those that just simply say, oh, the SEC is you know acting like stewardships and Greg Sankey and all that, and but they're the ones that ruined the Pac-12 and or the and, you know took Big 12 or whatever. It's like, okay, well... Again, if Texas and Oklahoma call, I'm going to do an Avery Johnson, if you'll allow me that. If Coach Bill Battle calls, you pick up the phone. That's what Avery Johnson said in the introductory press conference. If Texas and Oklahoma call, you pick up the phone. And Texas and Oklahoma wanted out of the Big 12. And the SEC knew, because the other Pac-12 schools had not latched on to the Big 10 yet, just USC and UCLA, uh, if even that, actually at that time, they knew that they would go somewhere else and go to another conference, strengthen the other conference, and that would be a threat. That would be a problem. And so Florida State is now taking the Texas and Oklahoma route. They're just being way more public about it. We had no idea Texas and Oklahoma publicly 
were that displeased. And then all of a sudden, boom, here it comes, landmine. But with Florida State, they have been uh, upset for a few years now. Last year, they were trying all they could. But again, there's no suitors for it. So they are now saying, you know what? Fine, we're just going to jump in the water and someone will come get us. And that's the strategy now. And to their point of the things that are realistically available, Florida State has to be about the most valuable. I've seen some studies done from uh, some some people within college football, uh, the suggested values to these leagues and where their priorities lie and that sort of thing. And, and that research and that reporting still says – that Florida State, believe it or not, is not at the top of the SEC's list. And that it's interesting to see that their actual real targets could be in North Carolina and in Virginia to expand market. We always think of it as to expand the best and the most prestigious. But these leagues think about markets just as much as they think about that. And there's an argument to be made that the SEC wants to try to pry a little bit further north. Uh, and, and I don't know. We'll see which way they go. I mean, they'll have to vote and that sort of thing. But that that's why it's not been as obvious as maybe to you and I that the SEC would just want Florida State and Clemson and move on with it and ha-ha, two more great football programs. On the surface, it would feel that way. But in reality, they are considering more than that. And that's why it has not been such a home run to this point that force they would just go on the SEC. That might end up being. It might be Big Ten. It might be Big 12. But again, based on this reporting, as of an hour ago, Florida State tomorrow could very well jump in the water and begin the process of, you know what, we don't know who, other than we know it's not the ACC. Your guys' thoughts? I think it's interesting that, remember, I don't remember this. I wasn't alive for it. I don't think you guys were either. Wow. But... When Florida State joined the ACC, that was a big deal because when they were looking for a conference, they were supposedly going to join the SEC and flipped at the last moment. So now that they're trying to get rid of the get out of the ACC, it feels like the natural conclusion would be for them to join the SEC. The other thing to look at is obviously geography and you know who else is nearby for a Florida team. You've got the ACC and the SEC, and that's kind of it. You don't have a whole lot of other options. You've got UCF that's in the Big 12, so they could jump ship to join the Big 12, and the Big 10 has declared that it doesn't care about geography, so you could go to the Big 10. But just looking at the the, the state of college football, if, you know, like we've said, these two mega conferences don't want to just completely devour the sport whole, then, you know, where do, where do you go from here? Just... Does Florida State become an independent? Can they survive as an independent? You know, we talked about one of the biggest issues they have with the ACC before they got locked out of the college football playoff was about revenue share. Uh, they, they don't get what they feel is a fair value for their worth. So could they try and log that by becoming independent and not having to share with other conference members? I don't, I don't know what I would do if I was in Florida State's shoes. I'm with them that the ACC is probably not – the best choice for them, but it's kind of the idea of the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Um, and right now, Florida State is just kind of saying, 
is, is kind of going away from that and saying, we don't know where we're going to end up. We don't know what the best answer is, but we know that it's not staying where we are. And I think that that's a, that's a very scary place for an athletic program to be. I think you look at it, <clears throat> and I know the, the base of it's the revenue sharing uh, you know, with, with the rest of the ACC. It was not, you know, the, the, you look at the deal uh, that was signed a few years ago with, for, for the media rights of the ACC, and, you know, they're not happy with it. Um, when you look at when it comes to let's let's just focus on football. I know that you know it's not just football. There's a lot of other sports that are involved in this. Let's let's look at football though. If you're Florida State, you look at the the state of the ACC right now. Um, you've got a really good shot at making the playoff every single year. That's a 12 team playoff. You got a really big shot about making the playoff every single year as uh, from the ACC. Um, so if it's you know if, if you're you know, if this is brought on by missing the playoff that problem goes away next year that you win the ACC you're in it doesn't matter if your starting quarterback you know got hurt week one and you still won all your games it doesn't matter if you know your coach left you right before the playoff game you're still in the playoff so if it if it's this is brought on because of your the the if this is reignited, let me say that because of the the play, exclusion from the playoff, you're in it next year. Like it's it's yeah. that that problem is gone. If you're Florida State, though, you look at your three options. You mentioned it, Ryan. The SEC and the Big Ten have not been uh, vocally like, "Oh, we need Florida State. We kind of want Florida State." They've not been. You know, they're like, "We're kind of set with what we're, we've got right now." You you mentioned the SECs. Like we're you know we're more interested in expanding this other way, like north uh, northeast a little bit more. Uh, you, you look at the, the Florida State, honestly, the, the Big 12 feels like the best spot because you don't have, you know, if you're Florida State, you can go there. You can automatically, if you enter that Big 12 uh, conference, you're automatically one of the bell cows. You're, you're a you're national brand. Florida State uh, football, Florida State athletics is a national brand. Um, you, you're automatically one of the bell cows at that conference. Plus, if you're the, the Big 12, it gives you another Florida team. You already have UCF, who's kind of isolated down there by themselves. Now you add another team that's kind of closer to them. So I think the the biggest move, the best move there would be the big, the Big Twelve. You're what you were talking about, Ryan. Uh, the SEC expanding toward the the Carolinas and Virginia because of the market, rather than going after, say, a Florida State. Here's the here's the approach I'll take. Is you know any expansion for the SEC? There are was 14 schools. Now there's 16 schools that have to vote on it. You add another football power into that. Listen. People may not want to hear it. It's the truth. The SEC's not getting 12 teams into a 12-team playoff. It's not going to be an all-SEC <laughs> playoff game. So the more big-time football you add, the middle-tier programs to lower-tier programs, you keep getting knocked down the podium that much more. So the Ole Misses, the Mississippi States, the South Carolinas, the Missouris, the, the, the middle-tier programs, the Kentuckys who – you know, on certain years would have an outside chance at a playoff if they've got a really good good year. We you know we, we look at the past few years. Ole Miss has been flirting around where they would get, make twelve team playoff. Kentucky uh, in the last few years has kind of flirted around uh, some of their better years where they would make that the twelve team playoff. Mississippi State with Dan Mullen flirted around that area where they would have made a twelve team playoff. You add a team like Florida State, you're already, you're knocking yourself back. You're already knocking yourself back twice more when when you expand it out to Texas and Oklahoma because a couple of those teams those teams are going to be a playoff contention almost every single year. You've already knocked that that food chain down a little bit too. If you add, you keep adding these power football powers like a Florida State, and it's just because oh we want the best football programs. The middle to bottom tier schools, 
yeah, you get to share the revenue. That's great. But your chances at, a nas- at contending for a national championship and at least football keep sliding down. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you go up, let's say you add North Carolina, you add Virginia, you add Virginia Tech. Those teams are, are going to compete for national titles, too. We've seen North Carolina in the conversation the last few years to, to be around that area. They, they would make a 12-team playoff. Virginia Tech in the past with uh, Beamer with Beamer was was very good. Virginia has spurts. They're, they're, they flirt that top 25 every once in a while. But, you know, that you you look if you're the SEC and you're these school you're the 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 16 schools in the in the in the the conference, I think you would roar value getting more TV money by going up and reaching new markets and new areas rather than hey we've already got Florida with Florida with the University of Florida we've got this like we we've got George there's a lot of Georgia fans down there Northwest Florida I can tell you there's a lot of Alabama fans down in Northwest Florida so you've got the state of Florida. Uh, basically, you know, uh, at least a third of the state of Florida uh, won. With you know, you've got a lot of Florida State fans, you got a lot of Miami fans in the south part of the state, but you've got that state kind of you know wrapped up. You don't need to go in and and knock you know knock some other. Uh, the, you don't need to go in and knock some other teams' chances of making the playoff down uh, from your own conference by adding another football power when you can go up and say you know you could target another school like a North Carolina, like a like a Virginia, Virginia Tech, some of those teams. And add not just football, but with with the North Carolina and Virginia, you can add the baseball factor. You add the basketball factor. You know, you you add so many other sport factors there that are that that add to it. And you add that TV market as well. You've already got that Florida TV market nailed down with with the Gators. So you think for Florida State Big Twelve, yeah, the most because because you look at it, the SEC's got so many power schools, and like we mentioned, they might not be interested. The Big Ten's got so many big power schools. If you're Florida State, you're you're battling there for to to get up there and, and to compete with the Ohio States and the Oregon's and the USC's. The Big Twelve, you automatically go out there. You go to the Big Twelve. Who's your biggest competition? Oklahoma State, Kansas State. You can beat them. Like they, those are teams that that are good, but you can beat those teams if you're Florida State. And then Brant, what was your official? conference what what where would you go for your Florida State uh I think I did say that if the SEC doesn't want you I think that the Big 12 is the easiest one to get into or you know take your chances in independence see if teams want to play you I, I think that, that could work for FSU as well but I think Brooks's argument for them to go to the Big 12 makes the most sense all right so here I go <laughs> he's been waiting if you're Florida State justify me why the Big 12 is better than the ACC <coughs> Because it's easier? I thought you were mad that you weren't getting respected. I thought you were mad that the ACC was not keeping up with the Joneses and that had not done a good enough job with its media rights deal and with competing with the SEC. Was the Big 12 doing a better job just because they survived a, a coup? Their best program's Oklahoma State now. Or one of these Texas schools like TCU or Texas Tech or Baylor. Like, you can make arguments, and I'm not kidding. You can make arguments that in the last 10 or 15 years that you could put UCF as one of their top programs, even though I, I'm not talking about from their Big 12 success. Obviously, it was one year. UCF's gone to two BCS Bowls. Okay, well, not that. <laughs> UCF went to a BCS Bowl with Portals. They went to a New Year's Six Bowl with Scott Frost. It, I mean – what what's beating that in the new Big Twelve? I'm just curious. What what is obviously beating that? I guess maybe TCU because they made a playoff. Okay, that's awesome. That's one playoff. They won a game. Great. 
Oklahoma State, they've not been the playoff. I, has anyone else from that league been the playoff? From where? Kansas, the, the Big, Big 12. 12. Kansas I'm sorry. State. Uh, no. Texas now, Kansas but State. that doesn't Kansas help State. you. Texas and Oklahoma? Don't count. They're yeah, not in the league That anymore. doesn't help you anymore. Not next year. They're in the yeah. league this year. For our purposes, we're talking future. They're not in the league anymore. So I, Nobody so, outside of TCU, I don't think. So you got, you're joining a league with one playoff team, which made it one time, which was great for them, awesome, one time. Some of the, again, like take your pick. You like Iowa State? You like Kansas? Leopold's good. They were 3-9 and nine before him, but okay. Like, I, again, I gave you the logic. I gave you the argument for why Florida State feels the way they feel. I don't agree with it. Here's where I come in with the opinion part. I don't agree with it. They are in the third best league. The Pac-12's gone. It's over. It's gone. And as you said at the beginning of your point, Brooks, if you are mad about the playoff, which they clearly are, this timing is no secret. They were upset in the summer about money. Now they're upset about not making the playoff. It's going to 12, you dum-dums. <laughs> you will be in the playoff if you win your conference. And and to further the point, if they weren't going to 12, it's a 14 playoff. Guess what? You're probably in it anyway. Like There's only yeah. four Power 5 you, conferences anymore. Like the, the strength of your conference will still matter in terms uh, – the strength of your conference will still matter. I, 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 I missed the last thing you I said. I said there's only four Power 5 conferences anymore. That that put me in a blender. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. that yeah. sentence – You think about it. That I, sentence I looked, like just made me like I got like the the Windows crash screen. I saw Brant look with confusion. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, did I miss something?" And then I realized, yeah, okay. So there's only four power leagues. There's five guaranteed conferences. I'm gonna break some news. The ACC champion is not gonna fall behind both the AAC and the Mountain West, or the Mountain West and the Sun Belt, or the Sun Belt and the MAC. Not gonna fall behind both of those. So I don't understand why Florida State feels the need to do this it's like somebody that has something go really wrong in their life and they have a midlife crisis like i just need a change like i've got to get this car i've got to do this thing it's for me i've just got to do it that's what florida state's acting like right as, now. As, it absolutely feels like that's what they're doing like sure. uh that you know sec's got more money big 10 money i want money i want more money i want more playoff i, I need more playoff like stay you have automatically moved up the food chain just by the death of another. And so I don't see the justification if you're going to end up in the Big 12. If you end up in the Big 10 or the SEC, fine. That's a more promised land. Okay. But if you're so desperate that you're going to accept the Big 12, guess what? You're going to lead that league too, and you're going to make the playoff. And then you're going to be like, hey, look what we did. We made the playoff. We Even as the bell cow of the league. Well, guess what? The ACC got in too. Because there's enough playoff spots. Oh, now. hey, look, Clemson. Yeah, guys. Clemson's back. <laughs> so I like I just I don't agree with it. I hope it does not happen. I hope this reporting ends up being wrong. I have a feeling it will be right because again, in 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 this sport, things continue to evolve in a certain way. But I I don't see the logic for the Big Twelve. I I don't see that logic from Florida State. If you're going the SEC or the Big Ten. You can feed me more money. That checks that box. You can feed me more at-large spots, the access for the third-best team in the league to make it. Because, yeah, the third-best team in the ACC is not going to play off very often, if at all. 
even in the 12-team version. That's fine. That won't happen. For that to happen, Clemson would have to be the best version of Clemson under Dabo. Miami would have to return to competency, and maybe you sprinkle in a, a North Carolina or a Virginia Tech or a Louisville or something like that, being being a top 25 consistent team. So, I look, I understand there's not me at-large participation. It's not going to be that way in the Big 12 either. You think that Iowa State's going to start going every year? What about Kansas? You like Kansas? You like Texas Tech? They recruited well. They were 24th in recruiting. Throw the tortillas. The top? I, that's another I point. don't understand the reference. That's what they do is they throw tortillas do on the they? field. Yeah. I did not know that. I need watch to watch, football, I need to watch more Texas Tech. The top recruiting team in the league was Texas Tech. They were in the 20s. UCF was second. They were like 29th. So they had one team in the top 25 in recruiting. So if we project this out, even to a 12-team playoff, survey says they're not going to have top 12 talent. So that's not going to be a consistent hotbed of playoff teams. It might be one, but it's probably not going to be two or three. And so that I can't agree with that. I will chastise it. I will sit on this show all summer long. I'll do it every day. I'll say, hey, by the way, Florida State's dumb. They're impatient. I just I don't agree with this, and this could, and I see why McMurphy's so, uh, source, why his source says this, that it could be an Oppenheimer-like effect, because then Clemson's going to say, all right, fine, I'm done too. And then Florida State, Clemson's done, you know what? Here comes North Carolina. They're going to follow. Hey, conference that I've been a part on since it was alive, I don't like you anymore. Well, why is that? Because others don't like you. Well, what's your reason? Because others don't like you. I just, I don't, I don't want this to happen. I think it's bad. I, I do think this will cause the death probably of the ACC if Florida State goes down this road. And again, the ACC should not die. It shouldn't do it. If the ACC dies, the Big 12 should die with it. And then just have two and just have 30 team leagues and just have all kinds of new rules and regulations that I won't like at all. Just go ahead. You know what? Take it down. I don't care if that's going to end up happening because that would be very disappointing, disheartening, and illogical through them except that. You You can make the arguments for the SEC and Big 10. That's fine. It'll still hurt the ACC. It might still end it all for the ACC. But at least you can follow that line of thinking. I can't follow the line of thinking of Big 12 other than just being spoiled and mad. That's out of time for hour number two. I'm a little bit mad. I'm going to cool down. And in hour number three, we'll get to the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. We'll get to the National Football League. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. 
Ryan Lavoie, Brant Dontry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Coming up here in just a second, the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. If you missed anything so far, go back and check out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. We've discussed some about the continual shift in conferences as Florida State has an important board meeting tomorrow. Depending on what is said in that board meeting, we might get back to it on the show tomorrow. And, uh, again, just more recruiting stuff. Auburn adds to their already nice haul here in the 2024 recruiting cycle as they get Towns Magoo, the kicker, out of Auburn High. Of course, uh, made some definitely made his name known here in, in East Alabama with uh, the range he had and kicking 50- and 60-yard field goals and that sort of thing. So he is going to be an Auburn Tiger. So, again, if you missed any of that, go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Now we do move on to some NFL, and to do that, we start with the Southeastern Land Group Sports Call 5 at 5. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we're going to look real briefly here at the schedule coming up for the National Football League as there are... Five games outside the normal Thursday-Sunday that the league is offering up as kind of a different schedule for the weekend. So we start off with... Number one. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. That game coming up. A Saturday game at 3.30 on NBC. Again, obviously, yes, there's the Thursday night Saints-Rams games, but that's normal to have a Thursday night game. So Bengals and Steelers... Again, more quarterbacks that are just not healthy. Jake Browning playing pretty well for the Bengals, but that is the 3.30 NBC game. Next up, number two, Bills and Chargers. Now, this one, bad news, friends. If you don't have Peacock, it's only on Peacock at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Now, there are a few bowl games that night, so that will probably be a good move there if you want some football. But if you are looking for Bills Chargers, that is Peacock exclusive. 7 o'clock Saturday night. Next up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 3. We have three Christmas games this year on Monday. Starting off with the Raiders and the Chiefs. That is a noon game. CBS and Nickelodeon. I guess they're doing the slime version oh, that yeah. they did for a playoff game one time. Mm-hmm. Might have to... I actually really liked that broadcast. I think I think that the, the, the Nickelodeon version of that is a, is a great... <coughs> It's a great way to introduce young fans to the yeah. game, to to explain it to kids who don't really understand football and to try and get new fans into the sport. I'm a big fan of when they kick the football, it's Patrick screaming. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. See, they, they do a good job of that, and that was their goal. They wanted to introduce it to an even younger audience and get you going early, and that's how companies do it. So t- Appeal sometimes. to the kids. But uh, that game's at noon. Again, Chiefs and Raiders. CBS and Nickelodeon. Number four. At 3.30 on Christmas Day, it's the New York Football Giants versus the Philadelphia Eagles. That's 3.30 on Fox. Uh, should be an easier game for the Eagles, but they have dropped three straight. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But 
Eagles playing host the Giants on Christmas Day at 3.30. And last up in the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5. Man, Christmas night, we have a dandy. Now, this is technically still fits under what would normally be in the NFL schedule, Monday night game at 7.15 on ABC and ESPN. But... Uh, actually, just on ABC because Christmas basketball on ESPN. But since it is Christmas Day, it's not a given. So it is a NFL taking advantage of this opportunity for sure. And boy, do they have a great one. 7-15 on ABC. Baltimore Ravens, leaders in the AFC versus the San Francisco 49ers, leaders in the NFC, a potential Super Bowl matchup. So guys, let's start there with our preview of the week of football. Usually we'd start with the Thursday night game, but Ravens 49ers is just um, peak. It's two, it's two of the only teams. Now, there's some other teams in the standings near them, but it's two of the only teams that you actually feel are getting better slash not having something wrong with them. Like Philadelphia is going through a losing streak. Uh, the Cowboys just got blasted by the Bills. They can't win against a good team. Miami's had problems against good teams. Uh, you know, Kansas City can't catch the ball. So all, a lot of these teams have really glaring issues. These are the two more solid, hard-to-criticize teams. This is a heck of a matchup for Christmas night. Oh, it's going to be incredible. And, and unfortunately, to kind of rain on that parade a little bit, Ryan, the, the running back for the Ravens did end up tearing his ACL last week, so he's out for the year, uh, and, and that's a real shame. But, yeah, I think both of these teams are incredible. If you haven't watched the Ravens, and I, I don't – I haven't seen a lot of talk about the Ravens uh, nationally or, or kind of in in the sphere that I pay attention to, I guess. But they've been incredible this year. Uh, that defense is incredible. And you've got Lamar Jackson just doing inhuman things. Every time he takes the field, you're going to see something that you've just never seen before. He's such an insane athlete. And he's got some really good players around him and that their defense is just otherworldly. And then on the San Francisco side of things, they did have a, a stretch in the middle of the season where they had a couple of guys get hurt, um, and uh, th- I think they dropped three straight. But w- since they've gotten back fully healthy, they're just bludgeoning folks. I mean, their their defense, it's it's about as good as Baltimore's. They have an incredible defense led by Fred Warner uh, at that Mike linebacker spot. Brock Purdy is, you know, he's in the front runner. Uh, he is currently the front runner for NFL MVP, even though he's probably – <laughs> of the great players on that offense, he's probably the fourth best. Um, I, I think personally it should be Christian McCaffrey if there's anybody on the 49ers. I think that this game, uh, like you said, it's it's a very high potential for a Super Bowl preview, and I think the winner of this game will probably solidify the winner of the MVP, whether it's Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, or Lamar Jackson. I think all three of those guys – um, are, have their names on the list, and I, I certainly think that while Brock Purdy is not my choice, I think that all three would be deserving of that award. So I, I think that this is, I mean, this has potential to be the game of the year. I, I think that this is going to be a really fun game, and I, I'm going to be watching wherever I am. I think the reason, and it was mentioned, I think it was mentioned on Sunday Night Football last week um, with the the Ravens. The reason the, the the Ravens have not been getting as much national attention, they've been playing a lot of noon regional games. There haven't been a lot of primetime slots for for the Birds this year, uh, and so I think you're starting to see them. They're starting to get put in primetime a little bit more here as the season goes on, but you're you're starting to see. Um, you, you're, you people more nationally. People are starting to to pick up on them. The fact that they're playing with a backup tight end with Isaiah Likely and he's balling out 
uh, is phenomenal. It, it's 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 really really uh, in, uh, fun to watch him play. It's really fun to watch Lamar Jackson play. Like you said, Brent, uh, there was a play on the Sunday Night Football against uh, the the Jaguars this past week that um, that it was it, it was just unbelievable the play he made, uh, and it was. Uh, Chris Collinsworth said, was, came, you know, right after they it happened. He said, "I'd love to do a thirty-minute special just on that how that play unfolded," and so it was. It, he's he's always out there, and he is always having such a fun time playing football. It, it, it appears. You look on the other side of things. The 49ers, uh, you know, they they went through a little bit of a rough patch. Uh, earlier in the season, but they they've righted the ship. They are they are rolling. Uh, Brock Purdy has himself squarely in that MVP conversation. This is just gonna be a fun football game. You're, you're gonna turn it on Monday night after you've you know eaten. You've opened presents that morning. You've watched uh, other football slash basketball throughout the day. You're wrapping things up on on Christmas night. You're gonna turn this football game on, and uh, you're gonna be in for a treat because this is this is some of the best football the National Football League has to offer this year. Uh, and it, it's it's just gonna be so much fun watching watching Lamar Jackson play and then watching that uh, that San Francisco offense go go to work too. Well, I think you guys put it in great perspective and, and Brant with what you were saying about the MVP race like this thing has changed almost every week it seems like as soon as somebody gets in that limelight they have a bad moment or again speaks to some of the top teams in this league having so many struggles like Jalen Hurts was starting to get himself back into it a few few weeks ago they lost three in a row got pounded by the 49ers lost to a Seahawks team with Drew Lott shouldn't have lost to even on the road uh Dallas that Prescott was starting to get in it and then they just get flattened in Buffalo at Orchard Park. And uh, now you've got Purdy, who's kind of worked his way back into it. A little bit of McCaffrey is an alternative pick. Like, hey, you know, other other things other than quarterback exist type of pick. And then you have Lamar, who is slowly starting to get that recognition for having a really good passing season this year, uh, of which he has looked better as a passer. Looks like he has made a, a step forward. And also I think the receiver's – uh, being just in general a more competent group has helped too. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, maybe you should value Baltimore as true front runners in the AFC. Because, well, a couple years ago when Lamar got hurt, they were going to be the number one seed. That With about five games left, they were the number one seed in the AFC. He gets hurt, he's out, they miss the playoffs. Kind of the same thing happened last year. They were in position, he got hurt, missed time changed their positioning, didn't make it. And so what we've seen at Lamar in the last couple regular seasons is a guy that does lead the team to the top of the league. We've just not gotten to see that payoff in the playoffs yet. His first couple shots at it, he didn't play well, and now he's not been healthy enough to, to kind of get them there and play in, the, in those moments and, and get them into the playoffs. So this is a big sequence for him. This is a big year, and – I think it was said on yesterday's show, maybe Brooks, you said it, maybe Tom said it. It's like, if not now, then when for, for them? Because this is now the time it's coming together. They're pretty healthy. I know they're running backs, but they kind of, to be honest with you, they throw whatever running back in there and then yeah, he goes really do. boom and they're fine because uh, that Lamar run threat is still ever present. Uh, they do have a more confident passing attack. They do have a good defense. Harbaugh as a coach, solid coach, always has been. He's done it with two very different types of quarterbacks. They they check the boxes there. Great kicker, if you want to go there, all the way down the line, the second mention of kicker today. Uh, they check the boxes. And so 
this is an interesting game. They are going to San Francisco. And San Francisco, as you said, Brant, they have been uh, really dominating folks. That was understandable against Philadelphia to a degree because even though Philadelphia was great, you knew how bad San Francisco wanted revenge. They San, Look, you can have whatever opinion you want. San Francisco's opinion is that if Brock Purdy plays last year, it's a different game. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they felt that way, and so they, they came ready for that one. But then they've also come ready for all the other ones too. So it's been very impressive. I think that's going to be a heck of a football game for sure. One other game we'll talk about before we take our next time out is we'll jump ahead or to now to the Thursday night game tonight because this one, while it's not one inherently awesome team or the other, it's very important in the NFC playoff picture. Two seven and seven teams, the New Orleans Saints visiting the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, the Saints tied with the Buccaneers atop the NFC South. And the Rams are in position right there in a in a multi-way tie for a wild card spot. There's one obvious wild card in the NFC, that's Dallas or Philly, whichever one does not win the division. Both are ten and four. But then there's a lump of teams at seven and seven. You have Seattle, you have the Rams, you have the Vikings, the NFC South loser, whether it's Bucks or Saints right now, seven and seven. Then you have a couple six win teams like Atlanta. So there's a lot of teams within a game or so of the six and seven seats. So something big happens here. Either way, either the Saints get closer to trying winning the South or the Rams get closer to a wild card spot. I'll go over their future schedules here in a little bit. Uh, But again, this one for maybe as much as we wanted to write off the Rams before the season, they're right here. And as week to week as the Saints seem to be in terms of is Derek Carr actually any good? You know, this roster feels better than what it is. Oh, well, here's a good performance here and there. Still got the weapons are there. Um, who do you like a little bit more, or maybe even the question is who, do you, uh, who do you not dislike as much between the Rams and Saints in terms of somebody that might mess this thing up? Oh, personal bias is going to make me say, "Man, the Saints suck." I hate the Saints. Um, <laughs> go Falcons. Um, between the two, I, I do legitimately think that I ha- I like the Rams better. Um, I, I think that Sean McVay is a proven good head coach. Um, I think that Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. I think they have a really good defensive roster. I think top to bottom, the Rams not being that good is more disappointing. Uh, is is more is I, I guess I should say is more of a surprise um, than the Saints not being good. I didn't expect the Saints to be very good this year, um, and I expect you look at the Rams roster, the upper end of their roster. With guys like Puka Nakua and with uh, Cooper Cup, and you've got Matthew Stafford kind of force feeding them because that's what Matthew Stafford does. Um, and I, I expected the Rams to be better than they have been this year, and they still got Aaron Donald, who are arguably the best defensive tackle of all time, still plugging up the middle of that defensive line. He's still being freakishly good at the sport of football. Um, I, I think I like the Rams better. But, like I said, they have been disappointing this year, and the Saints continue to win games despite themselves. It's kind of, it's kind of a the – two, the, two, the, the end is the same. You've gotten to 7-7 seven and seven through 14 games, but the path that you took to get here is incredibly different because the Rams should have been a whole lot better, and the Saints probably should have been worse. It, it's really an interesting road that the two have traveled. You know, <clears throat> you look at these two, I, I think that you, you look at them – 
and it, I, I agree. It is just it, it's an interesting path that they've they've taken to get to this point. I think right now the the Saints. Uh, you, you look at this game tonight specifically. I think the Saints need to get a win here. I, I, you know, you, you look at the the way the West is shaking out, uh, and then the way the rest of the the NFC really is 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 starting to to come together. Um, you know, I, I, there there's a spot for a, another West team in that that playoff, but the 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 Saints need to get a win tonight. They've, they've got to win. When you're you're looking at this division, uh, it's anybody's game. You know, the, the Falcons really, really shot themselves in the foot this past weekend with that, that Panthers. For several weeks in a row now. Let's not, let's not talk about it. But, but specifically, you, you lose that game to the Panthers. Uh, it's, it, you really, really shot themselves in the foot. And now you're, you know, if you're the Saints, you're looking at that that uh, that Buccaneers game here in a couple weeks, and you're you're circled it. You're like, this is really important. Well, you know what's really important is to win against the the Rams to make that game even more important too. Uh, it, it's you know, if you're the Saints, you're you're still trying to win a division. You see that there's a path. There's five paths laid out in front of you. The only team in the South that does not have a path to that that playoff spot really is the Panthers. Uh, the Falcons is starting to get a little bit bleaker, but it's the Bucks and the Saints right now. So, Bucks are in the driver's seat. The the Saints need to get some wins, and they need they they need to get some wins. And and tonight you you've got to go on the road, and you've got to perform well out in L.A. or else your playoff hopes are starting to get uh, get bleaker and bleaker. Well, look, I mean, I would I would still argue. Uh, I'm glad we we've got a little little difference here. I would still argue it might be more important for the Rams because. Let's say disaster class for Saints. Let's say they lose. Tampa beats Jacksonville on Sunday. If the Saints go and beat the Bucks, you tie them back up. Now, the problem would be that the Bucks have the Panthers in Week 18. Now, Carolina ain't going to lay down. I'm going to break the news. Carolina's not going to say, hey, division team, you go for it. We don't care. We have our draft pick. No, we don't. Y'all have fun in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, they're not going to say that. They didn't say it to Atlanta. They're not going to say it to Tampa Bay. It, New Orleans would then have Atlanta in week 18. Depends what Atlanta does the next couple weeks. If Atlanta loses to, uh, what's it, the, the Colts this week, yep. and then it's the Bears the next week. Yeah, Col- it, Colts, Bears, yeah. end with Saints. If, if they somehow lose both, then, okay, then the season's over for Atlanta. I, I think Atlanta would be discouraged, but also, okay, it's still division teams. That's why the NFL does this. I don't think Atlanta's going to be like, yeah, Saints, we want you in there. Now, to be fair, they're not going to be like, yeah, Tampa, you have it too. But <laughs> there is going to be some sense of pride if like you can take out a division rival so you're the reason they didn't make playoffs. So they still have things, right? And if the Bucks and Saints tie in a two-way tie, then it comes down to a bunch of tiebreakers that I think Tampa would end up winning. But I don't know. But my, my thought is, again, that, okay, if you go beat Tampa, you still tie them, and then anything happens in Week 18. That's worst case. If Tampa loses to Jacksonville, and you're both the same record, and then you beat them in Tampa, you beat the Falcons, you're in, period. No ties. Don't worry about it. You're good. So... My thought is is that you're only regretful about this if you're in New Orleans if Tampa beats Jacksonville on Sunday. That that's really the only time. To be fair, you won't know. You won't know for days. And if you go grab life by the horns and win, then you're in a good situation. But the what I'm telling you is the winner of that Tampa New Orleans games is going to have to lose probably both the other games 
to to win to to not win the division. That that game means so much. And 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 or Atlanta have to win out. They, again, the Tampa New Orleans winner has the inside track to it. And I don't necessarily think that changes based off this week's games. For the Rams, the situation in the wild card is so razor thin. They're re- got to be really upset. And and all these teams, Tampa, Atlanta, Minnesota, they all got to be really upset that Philly lost to the Seahawks. That was a really, really bad thing if you're needing a wild card spot. Because right now, the Seahawks and Rams are tied at 7-7. Seven and seven. Okay, Minnesota technically is also 7-7, seven and seven, so is New Orleans. It, the pecking order right now is Minnesota, then Rams, then Seahawks, and Saints. Six and eight teams are Atlanta and Green Bay. Green Bay is in gaseous trouble because of losing to Tampa because that's a team they won't have a tiebreaker on. And Green Bay is in, in big trouble for sure. But but that's, the, that's the, the pecking order right now. If the Rams lose that, then look, Seattle's remaining schedule. The other, the team that would they would have a tiebreaker on right now is Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and, and Arizona. There's nothing Seattle has to lose on there because they host Pittsburgh. Pit, is Trubisky gonna go in there and win? Really? Mason Rudolph? I don't think so. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. They're at Tennessee this week. Tennessee season's kind of over. And then they're at the Cardinals. Cardinal season's definitely over. You can get in the division rival thing, sure. You can do that party again. But th- there's nothing that is really overly concerning to Seattle's end of schedule. And so you would worry that they would just go ahead and win out. And if you're the Rams, look, you'll probably win week 17. You got the Giants. Okay, that's good. You know what you got week 18? 49ers. And if the 49ers have anything to play for, you're in trouble. Now, again, that's why you're upset that Seattle lost to Philly because it's possible the 49ers, if they can beat Baltimore Monday night, 49ers might wrap up the one seed by week 18. Then the 49ers take a pass. The Rams are going to be okay uh, in that one if the 49ers rest their players and you have a better situation. The other teams like Minnesota or New Orleans or Tampa or Atlanta will be upset because San Francisco will be giving the Rams a pass. But they could get a pass on that, or they could have almost a, another loss. I won't say guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed in the league in the NFL, but you could have a very likely loss. So then you're down to 8-9. Rams won't make it at 8-9, I don't think. We'll see. But 8-9 is, is not a good, comfortable place to be in. So I lean more. I know it was a very long explanation, and we have to take a break. But that's why, to me, the Rams have a little bit more at stake. New Orleans can get around a loss tonight as long as they beat Tampa. And if they don't beat Tampa, probably not going anyway. Maybe even Atlanta sneaks, uh, sneaks back in. Maybe you have a three-team eight-nine party. I, you know, like, it, who knows? It's, it's the NFC South. Who really knows? <laughs> not I. But the Rams have a lot of negative possibilities if they lose here because there's four or five teams fighting for that spot, not just between New Orleans and Tampa Bay and the South. We need to take our first time out here of hour number three. When we come back, we'll hit on some other NFL storylines and games coming up this weekend. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Dontry with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Getting towards the latter moments of the show right now. Uh, we want to remind you about our Sports Call survey, which is up and active. It's available on all the social media sites at Sports Call AU, Sports Call Auburn on Facebook. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the link is all there. Also on the Tiger.fm. And wants you to be able to fill that out. It's only nine total questions, eight multiple choice. And we just want to hear from you how we did this year and how we can improve in 2024. Uh, nothing too deep in the weeds, just kind of some some broad show topics and that sort of thing, show format and that sort uh, and all that stuff. So, again, we highly encourage you and hope that you will participate in that. It's open for a few weeks. If you can't get to it today, no sweat. It'll be open uh, first couple weeks in the January as well, but I uh, really want to hear from you about ways we can improve the show and, and that sort of thing. So we'd really appreciate that. Uh, starting to get a little bit later in this show, we will have a full live show tomorrow off Monday, best of version of the show on Tuesday, three live three hour shows, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week. And then January the 1st for new year's, we'll be off there. And then the schedule will return Pretty much back to normal. Again, we'll have some more Borgard High School athletics, so we'll have some shortened shows here and there throughout the the rest of the winter and spring, but we'll always keep you updated on all that as well. So back to the NFL and back to some of these Week 16 storylines. As, again, it's just hard to look at some of these matchups knowing the the quarterback situation for some of these teams. You know, even Browns Texans. Look, Joe Flacco's played pretty well. It, it but you got Case Keenum for Houston. That's an important one in the AFC. Uh, mentioned it a little bit ago when talking about the Saints, but Buccaneers and Jaguars is a big deal. Uh, Trevor Lawrence still very questionable. He's still in concussion protocol and did not practice today, and that that could very much influence uh, the outcome of that game. So that's something to watch out for. Uh, just these quarterback uh, health, uh, the health of all these quarterbacks is just continued to be on my mind all season long and it's affected a lot of different situations but let's look at that AFC playoff picture for a little bit because as I mentioned the Texans Browns is a big game Browns are sitting in a better position they are the top wild card right now they are nine and five I'm not sure how all the tiebreakers start to work if they drop a game and get involved with the Colts and Texans and Bills and Bengals and they're all tied and it'll be some head-to-heads but uh, that that could get a little murky there, but for now they're nine and five. Cincinnati eight and six, Indianapolis eight and six. Those are the other two wild cards. Houston and Buffalo eight and six. That's right. Buffalo still technically because of tiebreakers, uh, st- strength of record, conference record, all that. Buffalo is actually still uh, last amongst all their tiebreakers, even though they have the same record. And then even you want to throw a bone to Pittsburgh and Denver at tenth and eleventh in the conference. 
both seven and seven. I mean, technically you went out and see what happens. Still got a lot of teams left in there. And again, some of those relevant matchups coming up this weekend, Texans Browns is a, a huge one. Uh, look, I, I should mention Jaguars, honestly, because although they are a division leader, they are eight and six. I just told you the Colts and the Texans are also eight and six. If the Jags lose to the Bucks and the wrong things happen at eight and seven, the Jags would fall from fourth to out of the playoffs uh, as of now. So again, Jaguars are very much in the thick of this. Uh, and then you got some other situations. Broncos need to beat Patriots. Can't lose that. Season's over if they lose the Patriots. Um, and, and, and again, a couple things early in the week. Bengals Steelers, really, really big one. Bengals eight and six, starting to get pretty good. Feel pretty good about Jake Browning. And then Steelers, one last chance at it. They're going to go Mason Rudolph with Pickett still out. Move on from Trubisky. Pittsburgh has to win. They lose at seven and eight. I, not seeing it. I don't think nine and eight makes it in the AFC. I think nine and eight makes it in the NFC, not in the AFC. So there's kind of a rundown. What stands out to you? What's what the most important, what's most intriguing to you coming up this weekend? Not not well, everybody at yeah, once. Well, I, I'm sitting here trying to think about it. There's <clears throat> there's a lot. Like you said, I, I the AFC, I don't know. There's Let's be honest. Even, even if some of these teams do get it, like let's take the Steelers. Even if the Steelers do make it into the playoffs, how deep do we expect them to go? Not very. Not very. Their, their offense is anemic and – <laughs> did y'all did y'all see the the hubbub? I guess is the good word for it about George Pickens over this weekend. Uh, there yeah, was not a play, blocking downfield. A, a play yeah. on Sunday where yeah. he could have thrown a block to give his running back a touchdown, and he decided he elected to not attempt to make the block, and his running back got tackled short. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff going around with a lot of those teams, like not necessarily culture issues, but just. Man, these are teams that are extremely weak, and they, they've got good players, and they've got super talented players, but at the end of the day, even if they do make the playoffs, how deep are they going to go? And you can certainly say the same thing about the NFC uh, as well. So I, I don't know about which of the, the teams hovering around 500 most interests me because the fact is I don't expect any of them to make it out of the first round, really. I'll tell you this. I will say, you know, again, with Jacksonville being one of those teams, that 4-5 matchup is going to be really yeah. interesting because it could be Jacksonville, it could be Indy, it could be Houston that wins that division. And then the five seed of Cleveland or Cincinnati or Buffalo, if the right things happen, that, that will be the toss-up of all toss-ups. So <laughs> somebody is going to win a game – with some sort of quarterback situation not being ideal or getting through it just because of the way that the standings kind of shake out. You're right. I mean, I don't know if anyone's beaten Baltimore, but to be fair, you know, Miami at number two seed, yeah. like that's not the rock-solid two seed of a plenty of AFC's past when it's like Patriots and Chiefs and, and a, a, a Roethlisberger Steelers or something. Uh, so, you know, I it, like I think that – it's not as wide of a gap as it could be, and there is the potential, in my opinion, that there's going to be a team that just gets a really good draw and could go something with, like, AFC South winner and then into Miami or something, and then all of a sudden you got a crack at the AFC Championship game. Shouldn't win it. Should should get beat at that point, but I don't know. Crazier things happen. Yeah. You know, when I'm looking at the full schedule <coughs> right now, the, the thing that – 
I think one of these two teams has the winner of this game is going to make a real statement. Cowboys at Dolphins, Dallas at Miami, if you prefer. Those two teams are both really good teams that have the reputation of not being able to beat other good teams. So whoever wins that one is kind of going to overcome those allegations. It's in Miami. Um, I think I picked the Dolphins to win this. But I, I think that the winner of that game is kind of going to say, okay, we're over the hump. We've started something. We can get on a run now to say that we are not just a, a team that beats up on 500 or worse teams. We are a team that can beat good teams. I think another one that's going to be fun, a, a matchup of backup quarterbacks, assuming that Geno Smith still isn't healthy, Seahawks at Titans. That's, a, that's going to be a fun one as well because you've got two quarterbacks that are you know career backups in Drew Locke and uh, Will Levis that are just going to go out there and – perform some nonsense it just and it's going to be so fun to watch it's probably not going to be the best football but it's going to be the closest that the NFL gets to college football in that you will just see some dudes out there doing some stuff and it's going to be so fun uh and I have no idea who's going to win either of those games but I think that those two are those two are the ones that while I don't have a vested interest in any of those teams I think that they're going to be interesting if nothing else I think that you, know, you look at some of these games this weekend involving some of these teams that are that are hovering around that that 500 area. Um, you know, Pittsburgh. I don't remember the last time Pittsburgh finished last in the division. Um, it's it's been a it's been a minute, uh, and so you're playing at this you know this this weekend. You're going to get Cincinnati. I know you know. Obviously, you want to go to the playoffs, but you also don't really want to finish last in that division. That you're on the hot track for that right now. So you've got to get a win against Cincinnati this weekend, um, and then focus on focus on getting to those playoffs. Um, the Bills. You seem to be putting things on track for the Bills for for Buffalo, but can you close the close the deal down the stretch, get into the playoffs? Because you know it. it you look at it and. If the Bills don't make the playoffs, or it's a very early exit in the playoffs, um, some of the fans—and I know he's he's a good coach—but some of the fans, some of the, the folks up there in, in Upper New York, may start to uh, get get a little antsy with Sean McDermott, where he can't seal the deal here and cannot, you know, get get this team to a Super Bowl. Uh, because at this, the, that's what this point is. You, you look at Buffalo; they're they're a team that you year in and year out these last couple of years. You're like, this is Super Bowl caliber team. This is Super Bowl caliber team. They haven't they haven't proven that. They haven't gotten there. Um, Denver, you know, Sean Payton is is still trying to work things out. I, I don't think it was a good look this past week where he was yelling at Russell Wilson and then you know came out and said I wasn't you know mad at him. I was mad at the call and everything. It's like, well, you were yelling at him. So I, I, what what's what's going on here? So that, that's not a good look there. You've got a you've got a Patriots team. Who yeah they're out of it they're out of the playoffs they're a little revitalized though they they came in Bailey Zappi got them that win, helped them get that win against Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago on Thursday night uh, you were in that game against Kansas City for a little bit until they the you know Kansas City just started proving that they were the better team you you've got a Christmas Eve game on Sunday night where you're you're up in Denver uh, and it's you know it, it's going to be interesting that you're you're going to have to have all your your uh, Eyes dotted, T's crossed when you when you play this Patriots team on the on the Christmas Eve. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's there. God, there's so many interesting. It, it's there's so many teams right there in the middle that could make the playoffs, 
and if if things go right, they they you know they would be in that that playoff situation. Um, but you know, you, you, some teams that you you got to win and you got need some help. It, it's just it's a it's a fun time. It, it, this is going to be a fun finish to the league here in the last couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think that's the one thing that redeems some of the teams just not feeling great or being a lot of middling teams is that at least it means it's all meaningful and that these teams are playing important games at the end of the season. You don't have half the league out of it and have seven set playoff spots. So you got 11 teams, like I said, at least seven and seven in the AFC. If you're one game out of a playoff spot, you're not out of a playoff spot just yet. I mean, like you can still do that in three games. And then the NFC, you got about 10 teams in that situation. And you've got three teams that can still win the NFC South. You've got two NFC West teams fighting for a wild card. Uh, two NFC North teams fighting for a wild card with the Vikings and Packers. And so, again, as lowly as some of these teams feel right now that are a game out, it's one game. You've still got three to play, and you start getting all these three- and four-way tiebreakers. You don't know exactly how it will shake out. So, I think that is the redeeming quality. And what's been a very unfortunate year from a health standpoint, especially with quarterbacks, is, okay, yeah, you might be struggling to find like a good solid 5 through 10 in the NFL, but you've got a lot of options for it, and you got a lot of teams still involved playing meaningful football into the last couple weeks of the season. One final timeout here in this Thursday edition of the show. Back to wrap it up right after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Last couple minutes of the show today. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress with you. Again, if you missed anything at all, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Before we get to the TV guide, I'm going to go ahead and put a streaming pick in. Not a streaming pick. I don't know why I said the word streaming. A movie pick at the movie theater. Mm. Uh, and that is The Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes, the Hunger Games movie. And I'm saying this, I already saw it last week, and I think I said at the time, hey, go see it. But then Brooks saw it earlier this week, and he also now can confirm that it's very much worth seeing. Yes. And I can just speak for myself and say that I don't read books. I read <laughs> I read articles from ESPN and Yahoo. And athletic. Athletic, thank you, and, and, and all that good stuff. But... 
I don't read books except for I read the Hunger Games books back in high school and love those, love the movies. And so if you have ever watched those movies, or if you haven't, because this is a prequel, so it will help you a lot to know it. But Brooks, you could if you never seen them, you could watch yeah. this one. Yeah, it, it might not be as big of a payoff, but yeah, you could watch it. There's some stuff in it that you you know if, you, if you've never watched any of the Hunger Games, never read anything. If you watch this movie. Uh, there's there's some there's some stuff in it that you're like oh I you know that sets yeah. up that that sets up that that sets up that yeah. but you can also have that affect the reverse way you can watch this this movie then go to the Hunger Games and be like oh that was in that that was in that yeah. and you could get you know because it is the prequel so you, it's not like you're you have to go in and knowing all right. this other stuff about it right so I highly encourage that want to give you that bonus pick before we get to the actual TV guide. It is now time for the Sports Call Nightly TV Guide, though, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Again, that TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Well, sir, we'll look at this evening movie picks for you. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, 7 o'clock on AMC. Get you in the Christmas spirit. Goat. Uh, coming up at 6 o'clock on FX, it's Spider-Man Far From Home. And, and then, of course, your, uh, your you want a disaster movie for the evening? I'll give you a disaster movie for the evening. The Day After Tomorrow, 645 on FXM. Have I seen that I think I... Jake Gyllenhaal I, is in it. It's where the world kind of freezes, floods, yeah, it, I, natural disasters. I took AP Environmental Science in high school, and we watched that movie in that class. Yeah, probably not the most educational one, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it and, can and, happen. I'm and and Ms. Barajas did tell us, so like, hey... This is probably not exactly how it would go down, but let's watch this anyway because I like this movie, and it was—it's a decent movie. It's a decent movie. <laughs> so there are your movie picks for the evening. Uh, looking elsewhere, I thought about Angie Barajas in a long time. Wonder how she's doing. How she's doing? Good, te- great, great teacher. Loved her. Hit up Facebook. See what's uh, see what the haps. I might. With, uh, I might with the old teachers. Uh, looking around elsewhere around the sports world tonight on ESPNU, you've got the NBA G League showcase continuing on. Uh, it is. I'm trying to find the game that it's going to be because there's a, quite a few tipping off at six o'clock tonight. Uh, ESPN Plus has a lot of uh, ESPN, uh, a lot of them. You know what? It doesn't matter. NBA G League uh, Winter Showcase at six o'clock tonight. You've also got the Bulls return tonight. Boca Raton Bowl. South Florida takes on Syracuse seven o'clock on ESPN. Some high school basketball. The Nike Tournament of Champions third place game is at seven on ESPN two. Follow that up at nine o'clock with the championship game. Uh, NFL action on. Amazon Prime, and of course, the men's college basketball later on tonight, 8 o'clock from the Stan Sheriff Center for the Diamond Head Classic, Georgia Tech and Massachusetts uh, square off. And that is your nightly TV guy brought to my friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being here these last three days. I wish you a very Merry Christmas, sir. We we'll, might see you one time next week. I know you got uh, some travels, but certainly appreciate all that you do. Hope you have a great Christmas, sir. Absolutely. Merry Christmas to everybody out there in the sports call world, and we will see you all again next week. And Brant Dontry, this will be your last show of the week, so appreciate everything that you do for us here as well, and hope you have a very Merry Christmas, and we'll see you again next week. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for having me. Again, that does it for the show today. We will be back on air tomorrow for another three-hour show uh, right before Christmas. Again, off next Monday, best of next Tuesday. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in today. For Brooks Childress and Brant Dontry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. You just can't tell about some people. Oh, they may look normal until you talk to them. Hey, man, do you ever think, like, if we were totally, like,